Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. Happy Monday. Wow. Happy Monday. That's right. Huge, huge Monday following a huge victory against the Pitt Panthers at Pitt for Coach Scott Satterfield. A 2-0 start in the Satterfield era. The, the, the momentum, the morale, the excitement is high for Bearcat Nation. 27-21. That's right. Another victory. The uh, traveling, non-traveling trophy between the two schools simply does not need to travel as it will stay in Cincinnati, if that makes sense. We'll be diving into all of that, of course. And another Monday following Bearcats in the NFL. Week one of the NFL. Bearcat action all over the place. A little Bearcat action tonight as well as one Sauce Gardner out on the field. And then, of course, it's also Monday as we get uh, ever so close to basketball, as as basketball slowly starts to trickle back in to the scene, basketball recruiting, firing back up, this, that, and the other. But it's a Monday where I get to bring in my guys, my pals, who are going to break down a huge win for the Cincinnati Bearcats. So without further ado, my guys, so far we got two, two of the three here, ready to rock and ready to roll. Aaron Smith, Ryan Royer, gentlemen, how are we? Oh, we got another one. Chad, welcome in. Behind the scenes. How are we, gentlemen? I'm good. Just getting home, so getting the dogs fed. Make sure they go out and don't poop on the floor while I'm podcasting. Uh, So I'm here. uh, Just, you know, uh, I'll be behind the scenes for a few minutes. But I'm I'm good. I'm good. Who, Who let the dogs out, baby? Who, who, who? Aaron, how are we, sir? Doing well. Happy to make another trip to watch this Bearcats team and come out victorious. Victorious they were. Can't wait to hear your full account of it. Uh, big time. Ryan, sir, Mr. Royer, Mr. Bearcat, how are we? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm proud alum of the Bearcats after a, a strong showing. Um, excited. It's a great way to start the week. Uh Looking forward to digging into it with y'all, getting some in in game perspective from you, uh, you Brent and Aaron, trying to feel out what it was like live. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, and it, well, of course, we got to mention this is another Monday leading into the first nip at night of the season, the first uh, rendition, of you will, of a Big Twelve team taking on the Victoryville rivalry against Miami this upcoming weekend. I tell you what, there's no bigger thing as a come early, be loud, wear black this Saturday night for the Bearcats game against Miami. Another battle victory, but we're going to dive into that. But I mean, the, the vibes are high, man. The vibes are high. And I know a lot of people, a lot of faithful head, head, head down to Pittsburgh or over to Pittsburgh. Check out the, uh, the game. If you put some miles on your car, you might want to go get it fixed up real quick. Just, just get a quick oil change before, you know, you might need to go on, on some more road trips as you continue to ride this momentum, ride the wave of the Bearcats in year one under Coach Scott Satterfield. Head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Joe will hook you up. He's going to make sure your car can go all over the place, including Lubbock and Stillwater and any other crazy place you would enjoy traveling to this season. But uh, tell, tell Danco, Joe, that we sent you, um, Aaron Smith. Royer, Brandel, Brent, 
He'll uh, get you ten dollars off your next oil change, ten percent off your next fixing. Mention the BBP. Uh, Dan Kutcher mission I don't care. But uh, yeah, let's let's dive right into it, man. Uh, 27, 21. At one point it was 27 to 7. The Bearcat Faithful singing beautiful songs heading into the fourth quarter. It, it, you know, Sweet Caroline, Aaron, could you hear Sweet Caroline up from the press box? Yeah, you can hear it. It was the loudest that they got maybe the whole game up until up until that last what the the interception in the fourth quarter I guess. Yeah, I you know I I yelled, where's my theme music as we got ready for that third fourth, third into the fourth and right after I finished saying it sweet caroline started playing dove right in sang as loud as as loud as possible. It was it was a beautiful time. And then of course the, the Panthers put on a little fight. Power 5 team, ACC team repping for the coastal Coming out there and uh, and put up a little fight in that fourth quarter. Still, it was the team being able to be resilient, coming out with a huge, massive victory, two and zero, receiving votes in both big polls. Uh, you know, a, a lot higher on the metric polls. Uh, just this is a team that just continues to surprise and one that came out extremely strong, scripted plays offensively, big time. We'll dive into those, and then of course defense. Creating that havoc that we were known to uh, for Brian Brown defense to have coming into the season, um, Aaron. We heard Chad and and Keegan's account. I, you know, you were there on site, Ryan. We're going to get some questions from you as well. We're going to going to dive into your thoughts on the game as well. But you know, I guess big picture, Aaron. You got to say a, a massive, massive win this early in the Scott Satterfield tenure. Yeah, and it wasn't. Up until the fourth quarter, it wasn't a game that looked like Pitt was even going to make a game of. Right. Um, there was certainly in the first three quarters, I would say, um, plenty of domination by this defense, plenty of domination by the offense as they controlled the ball. And Pitt, Pitt struggled pretty much throughout the game. Even, even in the fourth quarter when they were starting to make things happen, I don't think at any point in time you wouldn't say that they weren't they weren't struggling. I mean, when your quarterback only goes, what, 10 of 32, I think it was? Yep. That's not a good day. That's not anything anybody would write home about. And their run run game was damn near non, non-existent. So, Yeah. Sack five times. Phil Jerkovic. I you know, say Jerkovic the whole time, you know. Jerkovic, Jerkovic, potato, potata. He was bad. 10 of 32, as you mentioned. 179 through the air. So a, a good, you know. That's about 18 yards for completion, but it, it really seemed like he was getting a lot of heat in the backfield and then kind of just lobbing the ball up. Uh, you know, so the pit coaches said that they had that deep ball. They were, you know, the Bearcats were giving them that that flyer out, and they were they're going for it numerous times, but uh, didn't didn't quite connect on too much other than some uh, flags here and there. They did have that long pass to the tight end. Um, another little little trick joke play where uh you know our our defender fell down in the process got up and had to chase him down but I, overall very inefficient day throwing the football I, w- I would agree and the it seemed the only thing that they were really getting bailed out by in regards to throwing the ball was the, the refs being a little little flag happy and maybe maybe all those dpis were warranted maybe they weren't but in any case they were called so that was about the only thing that bailed them yeah. out. I don't think that 
all three of them should have been called. Maybe one, maybe two. I don't. I I still think two of them were kind of bullshit. But if you kind of look at their offense, they were fuel. Their 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 scoring drives were fueled by uh, the fluke catch to start yep. and just jerk a bit. That's what I'm going to call him. Just like that. But um, throwing just the most un, just crazy lucky balls while getting hit, hands in his face. Because I'm going to call him lucky because when you're 10 of 32 and the whole rest of the game, you kind of don't really have a lot of I, – I don't think he's the quality that he was showing on some of those throws where sometimes that ball was just placed right past the hand of our defender, like the DP mm-hmm. touchdown or some of the – intermediate routes he was just throwing off his back foot while getting hit on that first drive um and then the dpis and then the interception by emory late in the game like other than that pitt's offense had nothing and i think that's partly what the quarterback was just you know he killed his offense but i think a main part of that was brian brown noticed he was struggling he said i'm going to dial it up even more i'm going to pressure I'm going to pressure both linebackers on third downs and I'm going to just get in this quarterback's grill every single time, give him no time for the deep ball, no time for anything intermediate. And when you're stopping the run on first and second down and you're hitting, you're hitting them on third and seven, third and six, it's just money in the bank for art. For one, it's money in the bank for the situation Pitt was in. And two, it just fits perfectly in our hands of how our defense likes to operate. How Brian Brown likes to call it because it was just a textbook like that. If our defense can do that, where the way they, they do everything right, you have Jawan Briggs and Corleone up the middle that just front mm-hmm. stop and disrupt the, the quarterback at the direct point of attack. And then you have solid linebacker play, solid DB play, and that's with guys' injuries in the back. So I I was really impressed, and I was really impressed with the offense, finding ways to respond, fourth down conversions, Still, the just every time I, I just I went back and watched some of the game today. Just every time, it's just you just feel like the creativity, just like this kind of excitement, this buzz that you hadn't really felt um, around the offense. And that's not a knock on like Denbrock or anything, but it's just a whole different feel. And I think it, we're utilizing our our players perfectly. Um, yeah. And still, the run game. I mean, the run game. Corey Kiner busting out of his shell. It remind I felt like I hadn't felt like that about our run game since the Mike uh, Mike Warren years, man. Back uh, early in my career, O line just man. I thought it was the perfect game. Obviously, you want you don't like to, you know, kind of make it tight like that. You want to shut teams down, and but I I just was really impressed. I, I was very unexpected too. I didn't think it was going to go the way it did. Yeah, I, it, mine opened up on the game at you know Bearcats plus eight. Got all the way down to six and a half before kickoff. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those where yet again the the team was doubted coming into it. Not many were were picking the uh, the Bearcats to pull through, and then of course, uh, even still, I you know I listened to one national podcast after the game, and and their their comment was that it was a bad loss for Pitt, and you know didn't didn't quite mention much about Cincinnati. You know, having a big win or, or or anything quite like that. They they, they kind of mentioned Emory's stat line blindly, I imagine, and just saying like, you know, Bearcats didn't really play very well, so it's a bad loss for Pitt. So, I I think people are still sleeping on Cincinnati. Uh, you even venture over. I saw some people talking about it on on our board and and the the Louisville 
<laughs> board on two four seven is is mentioning how you know Satterfield's winning with Luke Fickle players and and winning against <laughs> against a bad pit team, the worst pit team in the ACC. And I I mean it's it's these people are going to doubt. They're going to continue to doubt, and it, it'll probably be something that leads all the way into the Oklahoma game. Don't want to look past you know the big the big you know fake Miami this this upcoming Saturday, but you know it's it's still. A situation where, yeah, heading into the game, not many expected it. Um, I don't know, but go, go to the predictions before the game on from the BCJ staff. It, we were all kind of right on the money with that point total in the uh, the spread. So, I, you know what? A lot of people doubted it. A lot of people ended up uh, figuring out that, hey, this, this team is for real and offense and defense. And we'll, we're going to kind of dive in a little bit further. But, yeah, it's it's I agree. A lot of good things coming out of it. I wasn't able to get my prediction in because when I'm at work, I can't really have my phone. It's kind of just right. a pain in the ass. But I promise you, just so I can like what you have on the horn a little bit. I said Bearcats defense needs to hold them to 21. Need better linebacker play and need to stop the run, and we'll win. And I wow. think it was mainly a defensive call out because you know I I thought the offense if they can just do basically what they did versus EKU, but obviously it wasn't going to be as explosive and as easy. But if you right. could just score more than 21 points, then I thought we were going to win. I, Royer, they only scored 21 points, held them to a net of 83 yards rushing. Yeah, I'd say I mean, you were – I would have looked like the, the fucking genius did, <laughs> like a wizard. You, you have until like 7 o'clock on Friday nights to get those in, Royer. Well, it's because I got home, I had to drive straight to fucking – Lake Norris, Tennessee. Um, it only needs to be two, three sentences. You can text me. <laughs> I just forgot. text it to me. I'm not gonna lie. When, I was at work and I was like, I just didn't. I just when, forgot about. When was it. the last weekend you didn't go to a lake? I've been a uh, three lake trips already. Dude, soak summer, in like, all the lake trips. <laughs> or let's call it. Um, look. <laughs> As as a, as the boss, I am pro lake trip. Take all the lake trips you can take. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. I, Thank you. I took about three of the summer as well. So hey, lake it up, baby. Lake life. Oh, and there's nothing better than just being being at a lake. But you mm-hmm. come in, you throw the Bearcats on, put some money down. Yeah. You and all your boys put some money down. Already feeling good from the the yeah. morning leading into that little early afternoon. And, and they win. Oh. Head to the local little ball, you know, bar, the hole in the wall bar. Oh, no. Dude, that area. I don't know. Have you been to Lake Norris? No. It's like yeah. There, it's very, it's out there. Not a, no service. There's not a lot of shit around. It's just, but it's the lake's really nice and the properties are nice. It's a, it's a good area, but it's yeah. just, it's on its own. Yeah. It's great, great time though. They they got the houseboats out there. Um, it's it's awesome. So if you ever get a chance, check it out. Let me check it on out. Um, but yeah, I mean, boating their way to a victory, the Bearcats were this this uh this past weekend. Um, man, I tell you what, let's start from the beginning. I you know, obviously defensively, uh we we saw Phil Phil Dracovic Dracovic was off quite a lot. He uh okay, it, you sure. know, yeah, yeah, at okay Sherfield. But um Okay, sure. The uh the the main thing to look at is you know, people have been talking about a stat line. He was getting booed a bunch by the by the crowd, and I the coolest part of him getting not cool about him getting booed 
But every time that he was booed, the Cincinnati fans would boo along with them. So it would sound just even louder. <laughs> and so, like, I'm sure that didn't help. But um, he, he had a really good game against Brian Brown and Louisville last year in a win when he was at Boston College. So it's a situation where where this defensive staff is familiar with uh, with Dracovic. And I, I kind of felt like there was that was probably something to dig out from this is, is the fact that, hey, they had tape on Dracovic. They've gone up against him before. Kind of like they've also gone up against, you know, this entire playing style of Pitt last year at Louisville as well and a few years prior. So th- those kind of connections and familiarities between the two is, uh, is, is something that needs to be kind of poked on with value. But zero rushing attempts by them on the first set of downs. And I, I, I think that kind of was an interesting idea um, to, like, fly balls, try, trying to connect on their deep balls. Didn't, nothing really came out of it. And then offensively, Bearcats come out onto the field. And the second play of the game kind of set the tone for the Cincinnati offense. And that's when they brought uh, Aaron Turner in, in, in motion. And then they handed the ball off to him in the backfield. He went around the corner for 22 yards. That kind of set up in the back of the mind of every. Setting it up. Yeah. Of every Pittsburgh it. player. Yep. Is, is the fact that, okay, every time they bring someone in motion, they might be involved in the play. They might be getting a handoff, this, that, and the other. And you saw just rewatching the game how many times Cincinnati would bring a man in motion and the defense would be a little confused on what they were going to do. And it set up a big run by Kiner or set up a big pa- pass by Emory Jones. So just that second play. Or that, he handed off to him and yeah. he throws it a dot. <laughs> a dot. Unreal throw. That's See, the best throw of the game. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think the touchdown mm, catch. Yeah. No, I think that was a better catch than it was a throw. That was part. I yeah. I see. It was an amazing Not. throw. I think. I still think it's an yeah. amazing throw. It's but it's I mean for for a receiver to oh, throw man. to a guy with a defender draped on him and drop it in the bucket. That was an incredible throw. Yeah, I know. Incredible because all Wiggins had to do was this. Yeah. Like Braden Smith had to make one of the five best catches in UC football history for that to be a touchdown. On the Emory Jones throw? Yeah. On the Braden Smith throw, D. Wiggins just put his hands up, and Braden Smith put it right there. <laughs> yeah. Right there. A jerk a bit's fourth down ball to, on DP was, was nasty, too. That's a great it kinda, yeah. It looks so simple because it's – but just, I mean – pressure in his face, just dumping it. DP was in great coverage, too. And you remember, yeah. everyone was probably like, DP, what are you doing? Like, I can't believe DP got beat, but no. Like, that was just Sometimes like – Sometimes there's nothing you can do. No. Sorry, Brent. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm enamored by this by this pre-snap motion. I, I mean, Roy, what does that do for the defense? It just completely off-balances yeah. them. Well, it's one because – Bearcat fans were used to a lot of our motion before. It was a lot more tight end motion. It's a lot more in the run game or in the RPO game. And you never – a def, it doesn't look and feel as threatening on defense. Sometimes it, like, helps you with, like, at least in, on my side of things, when I played linebacker versus our offense, our our motion game was – it helped me know, oh, where the, where's the ball going? It could give me, like, an extra step on my rear. Yeah, sometimes. it told you the strong side. Yeah. Like, and, like it established the strong side for the defense. Yeah. Cause there's only so many things you can do with like Lenny T and Josh Wiley, like motioning across the line. Like 
you're, it's never really going to expose you or put you in that hard of a, a spot. But when you have Aaron Turner running across the line of scrimmage, full head of steam and on the defense, you're trying to mirror him on your heels. You don't know if he's going to bend back and go behind the running back, or you don't know if he's going to carry across into just a, a straight little out route. I mean, it, it's kind of like how people, what Tyreek Hill will do in the NFL. Yeah. How they utilize speed. him in motion. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's great, dude. It, it's such, it's so hard on a defense one. Cause it, it messes with the call and people's responsibilities. If you're not in full on man and two, the guy that's in the guy or guys that are involved with the switch, it just immediately your brain freaks out. So yeah. you're already at a disadvantage um, before the balls even snap. So I, I think like I keep going back to it, that just the, that's a big part of that dynamic feeling on my end that I, I keep just feeling every time I'm watching this team, that motion is, is lethal when you have the right personnel and the coaching staff is utilizing it perfectly. Yeah, and for those of you not watching ESPN, Aaron Rodgers made it about three plays into his Jets career, and uh, the cart has just taken him off the Jets sideline back to the uh, locker room. What? Well, he Damn. contact or uh, he got sacked, kind of rolled up a little weird, and foot got limped stuck off. in the turf. Yeah, yeah, foot got stuck in the turf, limped off. They just took him back to the locker room on a cart. That's good for my uh, Bills roommates. <laughs> They're loving it right now. If they lose to Zach Wilson, they got problems. One of them's gonna get back from dinner, and I'm gonna have to be very You're keen on, mute. on this mute. I'm gonna have to be <laughs> having this mute button toggling a lot. Oh, it's man. gonna get Bill's craze in here. Oh, Kathy Malady, 24-21. Good, very close prediction, but not as good as Eric Waddell. How about that? Or or Waddell, yeah. Waddell. 27-21 right on the dot. Shouts to Eric Waddell, man. Dotted it, but he picked – didn't, no, he picked uh, He picked Pitt, though. Did he? Yeah, I think was he picked Pitt. Pitt. He got the score right, oh. but he got the teams wrong. All right. 31-24, second closest. Congratulations, Brent Young. Uh, anyway, back to it. Uh, the No, Stein had 27-24 Bearcats. That's that's pretty damn close. Stein. Uh Carrie had 27 24 Bearcats. Okay. okay. Uh yeah, Eric had Pitt 27 21. Aaron 34 20. And then Brent 31 20. I like the confidence, Bearcats. Aaron. I like the confidence. See, I but I put picked a spread of more than a field goal. So kind of meant a lot there in the fourth quarter. Um anyway. Yeah. The uh, you know, also Royer when we mentioned this motion. This is the last thing I'm going to say about it. The fact that you do hand it off to Turner as your first carry, that has got to completely throw off the defense to the point where Kiner is then able to have his career day. Uh, you know, you look at the at the big Corey Kiner touchdown, not touchdown run, but the uh, long run that he had. They sent a man in motion. That guy was the guy that Corey cut back on and was able to, to, to pass the entire defense. And he was just confused. Like you said, he was out of place, didn't really know what to do, was kind of still going right, and Corey cut it back, you know, the other way, and all of a sudden he just had his ankles broken, if you will. So, man, just handing it off to Turner right off the the jump just really just set everything up. Yeah, and I – not to hit – not to follow up with the negative, it's just, man, not having that, like, 
breakaway speed for just as perfect as Kiner played. It was like there's just one thing that he was missing, or I guess that he just doesn't have is just that like beat out those DBs, Jerome Ford, go go juice, you know. He because Eric called him out. I did. I asked him in the presser. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that resulted in three points where it should have been six. And I, I just get like, oh, those those kind of situations just eat me alive because those are the kind of things that are like really can bite you in the ass in a lot of games. If right. there's a better team, a better quarterback, it's like you can't have you can't get tackled at the 11 and get three. You got to score and maybe not score on the run, but you got to find your way in to get those four extra points. Um, in, in the same um, sense, though, line. what if, you know, Kiner had a couple of runs later in the game where he lowered his shoulder and it showed his more brute side that, that gained him an additional four, five, six yards. You know, yeah. those th- those burners might not have that ability to kind of break yeah. that initial tackle and, and, and whatnot. So He was also smart enough to stay inbounds towards the end, oh, end of the game. I was losing my mind on, on the was, guy. That was a brilliant move. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that just shows his awareness. He's and I just, I just think it's this game was like the game we've been waiting for as yeah. fans and as people that know his capability. Just yards after contact was absolutely beautiful. I love I love running backs that run like that, just with a defensive mentality sometimes. And the cuts, the breaking the tackles at the line of scrimmage, running guys over, you know. Staying in bounds, showing showing his good FBI, we like to call it football intelligence. And I yeah, Kiner that, that's the Corey Kiner I've been waiting on. And I think it's gonna be a big help having that the rest of the year if you can keep it going. And shout out to the O line though. I don't I know I keep going on these rants. I just keep getting excited about the game. Um Rant just away. the O line just big, big holes for the most part, giving Emery a good amount of time most of the night just the improvement, I know we brought some guys in, but just the, the new staff coming in and getting these guys right, getting us back to, you know, the first, I know my second and third years when we, we had a more successful O-line, I would think. Um, I think that's huge. You're, you're going to need O-line because D-line's been stepping up. You got It's so good to see the O-line start complimenting. And you, Corey, wouldn't have had the day without those guys. So shout out to the big boys. Big shots to them, and and also did did you rewatch the the Kiner touchdown run? That was a off balance line. They they had you know tight end. No, they brought run. they brought the, the the right tackle over to the left, right? Right, unbalanced. And they had Peyton yeah. Singletary in the right tackle spot. Yeah, unbalanced yeah. line, and they in court like that yet again confusing the defense. Set up for a nice little cutback for for, for Corey. He found that hole. And it was wide open, and he he was able to break a tackle and, and get into the end zone. Just just the scheme, 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 baby. It, it's it's a it's a cool thing to see. Really, really cool. It's look, I get what defense defense head coaches like. I understand it, but it's so fun when you have a really good offensive mind running your program. Like it just it's more fun, you know. Whether it whether it is is it leads to more yeah. wins or not. Like when you're watching your team be innovative and be like one step ahead of the defense, especially a really good defense like Pitt, you're like, damn, like this is why you go hire an offense coach, right? Like this is why you go 
get a guy that that has been you know at the forefront of kind of innovative off offensive play calling for most of his career and then he gets complimented well with a guy like brian brown who yeah. runs a very high powered defense you know they might give up some explosive plays but man they're gonna make a lot of them so it kind of feeds well into the like the big 12 narrative um of just yeah. craziness sometimes on both sides of the ball um but yeah because when you think about we had Fickle and we had Denbrock, who I would say is kind of a more like pro conservative NFL yeah, kind of style guy. Um, He's a tight end so, coach. Like, yeah. So it kind of, by like, trade, Denbrock's a tight combined, end coach. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Fickle combined could kind of set up for kind of like that, I don't mean, know, a little bit more on the dull side of things in comparison to like Satterfield and like the offensive style coaches. But I mean, when you when you have fickle in their style, and if you execute, you're going to win a lot of games. It's just kind of, but you have to execute. You might not have as many style points. You might not. The fans might not be as on the edge of their seat. But it's it's fun, man. It feels nice. It's it's really fun because it's working right now. So you got to sure. keep it going. <laughs> yeah, but, but if we were trying a bunch of bullshit and that. That uh run that run pass just gets sacked for eleven yards. We end up blowing the game on some on some bullshit. Then we'd probably be like, God damn. <laughs> Draw up the plays, but gotta have the playmakers, man. Um yeah, we got them right now. We do. We do. Uh let's let's just quickly touch on Emery. Uh obviously this his stat line is is pretty pedestrian, but uh, for the most part didn't didn't do too much to really hurt the team uh you know 18 to 26 125 had, had the two touchdowns with uh the one pick when he was getting hit as he released the ball yeah he got hit on that one yeah um kind of just overall assessment of of, of his day open-ended to you guys i th- i want to mention you know that that one play uh his touchdown pass to peyton singletary his was kind of like that you know tyreek hill play where you bring him in motion so he's got a full head of steam and then they hike the snap, and he's already running. Defenders behind him trying to catch up. You throw it out to him in the flats. He's able to catch it and turn it upfield. Peyton Singletary is looking like a doggone player. He is looking like a, a I mean, tight end. I, I, I think they kind of tried to tell us this. We kept asking about Shaman, and they kept going, Ooh, Peyton Singletary. Ooh, we like Shaman. Shaman's got a chance to be really good. Mm-hmm. But Peyton Singletary. Like yeah. I, they were trying to let us know that this was, and then they listed him first on the two deep, mm-hmm. and then you know that was discussed here. Like I think they've been trying, they done been trying to tell us that Peyton Singletary was a guy that they really liked, and okay. is clearly a guy that they trust in the red zone because they keep going to him already. They do. No, I- They're dialing up his number. It's not like he's read three or four in the progression on his two touchdowns. He's been option one. The one yeah. on both of those plays. Yep. Well, especially I I also thought in the same vein when you're mentioning that the very first play of the game was a designed play to get Shimon the ball. So yeah. it, they 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 want to get him involved, but six passes, six catches by the tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Singletary's beating the door down, though. There is no doubt about that. He, um, he's he's clearly the red zone guy until proven otherwise, because They've drawn up two plays for him in the red zone, and he's scored touchdowns on both. Royer, what was your thoughts on uh, on old Peyton back in the day? You know, I covered him when he was in high school as a recruit and whatnot. He 
played defensive end and tight end. Didn't really put up too many counting stats. He was out for a lot of the year with with some you know lingering ailment. But uh, man, he he's someone that has just progressively seemed like he's gotten better year in and year out. Yeah, Peyton. Uh, when I was when I was there, he was always the young guy because he was behind Josh. He was behind Lenny, and he was always trying to grow into his own body. He was just a skinnier guy trying mm-hmm. to figure out the offense. And so us linebackers, we would kind of when he was in there, like we were like, all right, let's go, let's go get a lick in on him. And so he was kind of like, he he was kind of the you picked on uh, him, you big yeah, we'll pick on him a little bit, but no, he was a tough kid though, like. He'd go get a he'd go get a helmet under his chin by one of us backers, and we're just expecting him to like bitch and moan about it, being a, like a freshman or young guy. But he never would, and you always could tell like he worked hard and he was smart and he had a good good frame. He just needed to grow in, grow into himself uh, as a player, and I, so I'm not surprised because he was always as more athletic. He always kind of he took his lickings when he when he was a young guy. Um, but you always knew he had really good potential. And it was just, when was he going to get the chance? Was he going to be able to grow into his frame? And you see that happening now. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised what I'm seeing. He's very dynamic. He's uh, kind of got that wily kind of wiry frame. Um, he's just not six, he seven. Move. Yeah. He's not <laughs> six, seven. He's not, I don't think he's as good on the routes as Wiley was, but that's not taken away. Josh um, is great. Yeah. Josh is an NFL tight end. He's mm-hmm. in the NFL for a reason. Um, yeah. yeah, I love what I see out of Payton, man. Great dude. Tough kid, too. You know, another guy who was in that tight end room that kind of blossomed a bit in this past game, this past weekend, I thought was Caleb Schmitz. Um, you know, kind of really fit his role, performed it very well. Uh, kind very cool of for him, too, homecoming, like getting yeah. back to Pennsylvania. Yeah, and and he, he was had, had a key role in – Kind of confusing the defense as well. You know, he he would go right and draw a linebacker, and then Corey would cut it back left, and you saw that on a few plays. And he was uh, big on that touchdown play, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. He he drew, he blocked the the guy that would have came from the from the far side that would have uh, probably met Corey at like the three yard line. But yeah, look, I, it looks like they're using. Um, they love an H back. Schmitz, Falk, and Calmon yeah, all to yeah. like kind of fill that like almost fullback style role. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they're at the H back or if they're more in that U, we, the U back kind of that where's that tying that off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, it's kind of like they've been interchangeable with those guys. If they want two of them, two of them in at once or one of them. So, and that, that's good for all, all those guys, man. Those guys I just mentioned, those are all kids. What is it? Two walk-ons and, and Barrick not Barrick and Caleb, the guys yeah. that are all been like either position changes or they've been doing their time on scout team when I was there for years and just get seeing them go out there and play that kind of like fullback, like sacrificial blocker role and watch them do a good job at it. I'm super, super cool for, for me at least knowing those guys and all the reps I shared with them out in well, scout team shit. <laughs> ultimately like Satterfield's offense is a derivative of the option. Like it's a it's a wide derivative of the option, but there are a lot of option principles with all of the motion and you know the speed the sprint option and there are so it makes sense that an H back slash fullback type 
definitely has a role. And Schmitz and 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 Falk and, and McCallum, like those seem like guys that are like, get me on the field. I don't care what I have to do. Yeah. I came here to play football. It, like play me. Like if this is my role, this is my role. I'm content in it, and I'm gonna go stick my face in the fan. <laughs> not, not their head in the fan, their face in the fan. It's different. There it is. Um, but yeah, like you, you saw it with Falk uh, quite a bit against DKU, and then Schmitz uh, was a lot more of that type of guy against Pitt, but Falk was out there a couple times as well. And then McCalman, not as much. Like, I think they like McCalman as a pass catcher, Brian. Really? And maybe we'll see that as a decoy of him in that H-back role where uh-huh. the defense is expecting him to be like yeah. the sacrificial, blow somebody up, and then he becomes a pass catcher because he did a great job catching touchdowns at higher ground uh, regularly in the scrimmage, in practice. It felt like every day there was at least one Michael McCallum touchdown. So it'll be interesting going forward if he's a guy that they do uh, present as a sacrificial lamb, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like this guy's yeah, just here to run into somebody. And then yeah. he splits out to the left and he's wide open for a touchdown. Nice. Yeah, that would be nice to see, man. I like that. would be super nice to see. Um, during that, the uh, second scoring drive or third scoring drive, they got the field goal. Uh, but uh, we do need to talk a little bit more about the, about that Braden Smith pass play. I, you know, Obviously, we know he, he had the tools to throw the football from his time, not only at Louisville, but uh, also – as a high schooler, uh, you know, yeah, he, he started as a quarterback his sophomore to senior seasons, passed for 2,246 yards and 24 touchdowns his senior year. Also, obviously, ran the football a lot, but um, he he's a guy that had some some big games throwing the football um, during his time in high school. So, at, obviously, he's got that pass, got that pedigree, but, you know, for the, the, the confidence to – not only call that play, but for Braden to try and fit that ball in on the corner, sorry, like right along the sideline to D Wiggins and Wiggins, of course, just still in stride catching that ball. That's, that's faith in a lot of different moving pieces on that play. And I I tell you what, it's going to be yet another wrinkle where teams now see this on tape. I'm sure there's going to be some other different thing that they can do with it on top of that. Yeah, that like that's I think again that's like uh, this and this is kind of what I was getting at with that um, offensive coach like thought process. You always feel like they're setting something up, like okay, this is about the next. Like we saw Freeman do that on defense for five years, right? Or four years, right, Ryan? Like he was. It was always about we'll show you this so we can come back with this. And Luke had a hand in that, obviously. Like, he, he was, you know, two hands in on the defense. But now you feel like on offense, okay, like this Aaron Turner package is setting up something going that way when Aaron Turner is in motion. Or, you know, the the Braden Smith, like the, the pass. Now, you know, maybe that sets something up on the backside where he stops and throws it back the other way because the defense saw him get the, the toss or the handoff or whatever, like, it just feels like something else is coming off of each thing that we're we're seeing early, which I love. Gotta love What's it. up, EK? Absolutely love it. Uh, you know, also 
then that final drive before the half offensively, you know, you're met with a third and six. The only catch of the game for Xavier Henderson was, was one that was the entire time Emory was, was looking Henderson's way and, and found him on a third and six. Then on fourth and three. What a great dig route, by the way. Yeah. By Henderson. I mean, he sunk, he made that, he made that DB believe. Right. He was going deep and then sunk his hips, turned around and the ball was right there. That was the timing was outstanding on that dig route. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and then on fourth and three, they they go with a screen pass to Kiner. I I mean it's just you know, picked up nine yards. Uh, eventually set up a uh, you know a field goal attempt, which you know by the way it's it's very refreshing to have. You know you go from the success that Co had, especially at at the end of last last year, to just simply being able to slide Carter Brown in. And and I met Carter's parents. Shout shouts to Mister Miss Mrs. Brown. Uh, they're Really nice people. Good to good to chat with you. But you know, knocked it in from forty seven with uh, five seconds to spare. Yeah, yeah, with room to spare. And and you know, the fact is that that drive started on the one yard line, and it it was a drive that with eight minutes left in the first half, it, the game was it was seventeen to seven at that time. But if you get stopped, you know, three and out, field positions flipped, Pitt somehow scores, and it's seventeen fourteen heading into half. That's a completely different vibe. Heading into the second half, so just just some really good plays on that on that drive to uh, to end the first half, and then um, yeah, the second half was a little bit more all about the defense, and I, I kind of want to set that up by by rolling into the defensive talk, and uh, you know, I guess we got to open it up with just mentioning the Adonis, and I'm going to step back and let Aaron take over and and just go ahead and, and and just speak to us about about someone that you know near and dear to your heart. Jack Dingle was unhinged on that play, and he he had shown flashes on that drive prior to getting that sack that he ended up getting that that kind of sealed the deal. But he, I feel like the play before he almost got to the quarterback as well. But there there may or may not have been a holding call. Who knows? They, they certainly weren't calling holding ever. So that said, uh, he did get there in, in a clutch moment and. I know I wasn't the biggest proponent of Jack Dingle uh, in this offseason. Not that I wasn't supportive of his role, but uh, I, I think between Chad and Keegan, I don't know who talked up. <laughs> There's one of those those phantom holding calls that, that didn't I, I guess, you know, the, the ref just didn't have a, uh, a clear enough view. Was that the early one, the one early in the game? It led to the pit, the first pit touchdown, I think. Yeah, where he spun around. This one spun yeah. him around in a circle. Where if he is not grabbed by the collar, there, Jerkovich is dead. He's dead. Well, <sighs> maybe they should have made the collars red so you could see them better. I don't know. I, I how how I mean, if if his nipple was exposed, like you would be able to see his <laughs> nipple. Janet Jackson. Yeah. Like that would be a wardrobe malfunction if this was at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then I played the one. I, I put the one earlier on Twitter, where they they double blitz. They, they they Watley. Yeah. Well, Watley like made the hit on the quarterback, but Dorian Jones fires first on a blitz in the a gap, and the left guard or the right guard just tackles him. Yeah. 
Jack Dingle comes over right behind him. And the running back grabs Jack Dingle, the back of his jersey, and you see Jack look like a horse, like when they pull the reins, and the horse is like, um, like it happened like like eight times. This is on your Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. I got here. Hold on. I'll pull it up. Well, we can. I don't know if we can watch. Is is it a still or is it the video? It's the video. I think the video will get us Ow. demonetized. Okay. Well, you need the video because you need to see Jones yeah. getting tackled. The the, the oh. guard just literally like dives and tackles him. And it's actually yeah, it's the right guard. And then and then uh Dingle comes behind him and the running back just grabbed the back the back of his thing and you see him like <laughs> and then Watley comes in and hits him as he throws the ball. Like that shit happened. All night. The whole game. All night. They were just grabbing guys, running free to the quarterback, and the, the, the main official is standing there in clear view of it and was just like, not us. No, we we, we we checked the rules, and it said that was allowed tonight. No, you can do that tonight. You can just, you can just snatch it. But, yeah, in any our, case. Our, our DBs couldn't, though. That was, that was something they could not do. Chocolate back to the point. Back to the point I was trying to make, though. Uh, I, I think Chad. That's, my that's all right. I, I think Chad and Keegan, between the two of them, talked up Jack in the in the camp sessions that they saw probably more than anybody. So good. Well, on but them. you've been on him since day one. I mean, call the, call sure. Since day one, I was higher on some other linebackers this this go round, though. When what I saw, at I camp, called him I only, Adonis. That was a me thing. Yeah, Dingle had all he had all the tools, but he's young, and it's it's hard to go in there and absorb game speed and the FBI you need as a linebacker. There's a lot of responsibilities, so he that's what that was my like that was my one thing. I was like that could be hold that could hold him back. Yeah, I well, I was not only mentioning that the final play, I was mentioning Dingle's complete game. I you know he there was like he a didn't give I, up the touchdown. Yeah, for the yeah. tight end. He didn't. Seen, oh, yeah, that that was another play. one of those though that it was like there's nothing he can do because you have the one you had the safety high, I think yeah, it's Taj, high, yeah. and right. basically it should be Taj should be looking two to three, and you have the tight end and your linebacker, and so you should be thinking like my linebacker is going to need help over top just normally because he's a linebacker playing yeah. coverage. And right. you're gonna look. You're gonna check your your guy in the slot, and then you're gonna see this tight end's coming right at you. So if Taj triggers maybe like half a step quicker, it's a PB, mm-hmm. PBU, or maybe a full step quicker, it's a interception. It's a, but Dingle is literally like his back is to the quarterback, and he's just told back hip and try to shoot your arm up right when you see the receiver's hands go up. But the quarterback basically a high point back shoulder is like it's. There's nothing he can do. Like it's basically just it's kind of like a pinch combination of the safety spoken and like linebacker. a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a pinch combination that like you know you got your guy there to come help you on those type of balls. But I think it was just good timing, great ball by the quarterback. Yeah, good, and, yeah, good play by by yeah. the offense, you know. It kind of put it where only his guy could get it. And like yeah. you said, I you know, it, and, and even on their first touchdown, like Taj was like a step 
too slow from like turning his head back and potentially picking the ball off, potentially, you know, a, a PBU. And, and even on the, on the DP touchdown, you know, that, that was a fourth down scenario and looked like he was just like one step behind and a, a great place ball. And, you know, it, it seemed like he was just right there to potentially put, put a paw on it or something. I, I, I think that speaks to more about, you know, these guys aren't just sitting wide open and catching a, an easy touchdown. You know, it, that, it's, one on, that long coverage on the long one, yeah, the long one of the tight end down. It looked like kind of like a busted kind of – I think it looked like cover two almost right. because they shot the running back out to the flat and it was something between DP and Taj because <laughs> Jay Harris has, has to split like one and two vertical and – the tight end was too vertical. And there was definitely a miscommunication on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was Taj. It was either, I don't know how they're teaching it with their defense, because either Taj would have Taj would have to take that running back to the flat and DP will route up with the two vert, but or vice versa. But no one got him. And we but we covered the guy in the backfield at the flats, not the guy running down the field. So that wasn't our best look there. <laughs> Thank God it didn't cost us the game, though. Right, I, I, I mean, so the the weird thing to look back and watch the you know rehashing the game again is the fact that like so many times on third down and then on fourth down as well, Pitt made like semi miraculous, semi lucky plays to either keep drives alive or to score. Uh, it, like third down was that you know that just kind of throwing it out there, their Hail Mary where Willis slipped earlier in the route and, you know, kind of, you know, the pit player ran underneath it for the catch. Then there was another third and long. It was a missed hold holding penalty pass was completed right near the end zone early in the first half. Another third down. There was a, there was a play that Taj could have potentially intercepted the ball in the end zone, a third and 11 a pass interference penalty, a third and 10, another pass interference penalty. Then on fourth and nine, that was that pace touchdown where they kind of, you know, pace was just a step behind. So I, this game, yes, the final score says 27-21, but if Pitt, if, if certain things don't break here or there for them and on those plays, it could be a completely different game. <laughs> like a lot more lopsided than it truly was. You can make the argument, though, if something things hadn't gone Cincinnati's way in the ways that it did, that it no, you can't. That's a terrible argument. That's a terrible argument. That's a terrible argument because what was happening for Pitt was fluky. What happened right. for Cincinnati that was fluky? What was fluky? Not calling any penalties was fluky. I've not ever seen a referee crew just refuse to call holding the entire game when it's so blatant. Yeah. So how's that 37 of them were on Pitt. I'm just saying, if, if they had – if something if, happens, if they had the been end. even, then it was even. You're just trying to be a contrarian. No. I think hair. Cincinnati kind of it, dominated the game a little bit more than the score. I do too. Contains, yeah. I agree, Brent. I agree. I Aaron, I don't I have any look, it, it, it's very similar, and I didn't have any respect for them when they did it. It's very simple or similar to what Temple used to try to do, was just Drop back. They knew they couldn't beat Cincinnati's defense, so they would throw the ball as far as they could throw it, uh, and and just hope something happened downfield. Like yeah. there was no strategy involved with what Pitt was trying to do on offense. They were dead. 
They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't protect Jerkovic. Like, they, they were dead on offense. The only chance they had was to just have him hang out for as long as the refs would allow because everybody was getting held and they didn't call it, and right. then chuck it downfield and pray that there was a pass interference because they only caught one, maybe two of those, like, chuck it down the, the field balls. Yeah, Bub Means was targeted, I think, 11 times and had no catches. Right. That, like, that's so that's the reason I agree. Like, I get what you're saying, Aaron, that it's always up for chance. But, like, in that game, Pitt's offense was dominated. I'm not disagreeing with that. My point is that one of those plays happens at the end and all of a sudden it's a different game because it's up one and Cincinnati's got to figure something out real quick. That's Cincinnati th- C-Rex thinks I'm very animated tonight. This is this is every night. This is this is excited. This is excitement. Uh, you, you we know, got stuff to talk about. It's not fucking did. summer anymore. I know. <laughs> I, uh, but but even more to my point is is after some of these fluky plays happen for Pitt the, uh, on numerous occasions, one was the Dorian Jones blow up in the backfield after a fluky play on first down and, and ten for a loss. You know, at, after a bobble on the snap by uh, by Dracovic. Another was the tackle for loss by Jawan Briggs as he followed the polling guard and just made an unbelievable play in the backfield. And and then another was a tackle for loss that Dingle had. Just, literally, the very next play after a fluky play was just dominated plays by Cincinnati. They definitely had had the mindset where you have to forget the play before, and they played very well in that regard. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't think Cincinnati really had any fluky plays at all. Like, maybe that – Like, I don't either. What was – like, I don't know what was fluky on anything. Well, I mean, I guess the the Braden Smith catch was – he gets his knee down probably one out of 25 times. That was nasty. I mean – like. I mean, he got the absolute, like, smallest amount of knee you could get down in the smallest amount of space, which just happened to be yep. where Armand Benz, the exact spot yep. where Armand Benz caught the touchdown pass in 09. Oh, like, touchdown. I, I, so, calm down, Brian. Somebody needs to go cut that, like, that, like, four-by-four-foot square of grass out of OK Sure Stadium. And bring it back to Cincinnati because we own that spot. Yeah. Yep. We own that spot. Yes, I think they were Big 12 refs. Okay. That's terrifying, by the way. Royer, how hard is it to make <laughs> over the not only over the shoulder, but over the helmet catch that Braden Smith hauled in there? You're, it's like the adjustment over the shoulder where you have to like go blind for a second and find the ball on your other shoulder. It's one of the harder catches. I, it's harder than like doing like a one-handed catch. Like that's, that's pretty routine for guys at this level. It, it, it is the hardest catch that you'll see that style. Um, it's just pure. It was, it was, I love the throw. I love the catch. It, it was just, I, when I rewatched it, I was like, damn, that's, just good ass fucking ball, dude, and I love seeing it. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, a couple of of, of highlight plays. Let's talk defensive line real fast. First off, how on earth did did Dracovic hold on to that football when Eric Phillips absolutely blew him up? It's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. I I don't understand the physics of it. <laughs> unbelievable. Like I 
I, I, tr- I said this on the, the nightcap Saturday. I truly believe at the point, like at when it happened, that he somehow let go of the ball and it fell like right back to right. him when he went right. to the ground. Yeah. I, there was there was no concept in my mind that he did not let go of that football at any point right. when Phillips hit him. No, like it was it's impossible that he held on to that ball. I think we can all agree if Tiny Hands Kenny Pickett had been in that situation, he does not <laughs> hold on to that ball. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair argument. Um, but but it does wear gloves, so maybe he put a little extra stick them on before this game. Uh, but no, I th- like that was unbelievable. Uh, you know, just recovery and hit by Phillips too. Uh, you know, never giving up on the play type situation. Then I thought Briggs had one of his better games as a Bearcat. Uh, he was constantly in the backfield, constantly disrupting the play. Uh, you know, had had a sack, had that big tackle for loss. Uh, Dante Corleone, baby, the godfather, yet again dominating in the backfield a bunch, had that awesome sack, that 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 big daddy pick you up and throw you down sack. And boy, oh boy, they're they are awesome to watch. But my favorite quote from Dante in his postgame presser was, Yeah, in the fourth quarter, they just start single blocking me. And I, I, yeah, I still don't understand why. Briggs was murdering them. They Briggs had was to- unreal. Like, they didn't have a choice. Briggs was murdering them on every snap. So they had to slide at least a little bit to Briggs, which leaves – and didn't that's, really, that's, what really teams are, that's what teams are going to have to face all season. And then Dante got to eat. So, yeah. Pick one. Which, which yeah, one? Pick one. <laughs> which one, right? Yeah. Well, it, because well, and then, you've only got five linemen. Are you going to double-team both of them? You're going to use four guys to block Briggs and Corleone? Good luck with Brian Brown's – Blitzing, like, I don't think that's right, Asiago. Jim Kelly said that they were Big 12 refs, and I, I trust Jim Kelly. And so, oh, hey, hello. So, I want to mention, of course, first off, shouts to our boy Nico Palazzetti. I don't think that anyone's made a better decision than to let's, let's trim down Jawan and put you in your best shape of your life situation right. because that man is he's he's out there playing like a man possessed this year and when you have him with the godfather that's amazing and and the step that he's, that that phillips has made as well yeah yeah he's got a new mouth to feed he's trying to he's trying to get paid <laughs> yeah exactly he's got all the motivation in the world three little ones that he's trying to he's trying to feed and put exactly on. He's, exactly he's, he's got all the motivation and then last but not least yeah, Big 12 crew last night. All right, how about that? But, Chad, you're muted. You're muted. You're muted, Chad. You're muted. I know there were – it's the dogs. They got me all messed up. <laughs> uh, Kelsey's in bad shape. She had a bad night. She got ear-holed by a serve in warm-ups and then uh, tripped over a girl running for a, a save <sighs> and landed straight on her hip, uh, hip pointer. So she's pretty much – like bedridden upstairs right now. And I know tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I'm going to hear, dude, I can't walk. Like, I can't go to school today. I can't walk. Um, so those things are coming. Uh, so I might have to mute more because the dogs are down here getting after it in the living room. Um, some ice? But yeah. You get some ice on that hip? Ice, uh, you know, met ice a little, little ice, ice and heat and a little bit of uh, ibuprofen and mm. – Trying to get her going, but but she got yeah. ear hold pretty good right before the start of the match, and Dude, then nothing worse. Late <laughs> second set, right on her hip, like she was 
she was hauling ass to make a save mm -hmm. and tripped over the girl's foot that had hit the initial ball and right on the hip on a very non-forgiving surface. So okay. it's not a, it's not a great night in the Brendel house, but Jim Kelly says Big 12 crew, and I believe anything Jim Kelly says. I love it. I love it. Um, so we we highlighted all of these defensive linemen, and and I uh, was you know just listening and reading some things leading up to it. And, and, and Russ Heltman shout to, to to Russ, a you know guy who covers the Bearcats. Well, he he mentioned that the highest graded PFF defensive player on the team was actually Malik Mann. So I, you know you have all these amazing performances along the defensive line, and yet it's Malik that is the one who's who did his role to perfection. As well. That's the problem you're going to have with this line. Yeah. Do you stop Riggs? Do you stop, you know, Corleone? Eric Phillips is becoming a monster. Malik, Watley, yep. and then and then Greshik coming off the edge, mm. and and Dorian Jones blitzing, and mm. and Jack Dingle blitzing, Jack and all of a sudden, if you're an offensive line, you're just like, what the? I I don't. I don't understand what we're supposed to do to stop this. And that will maybe be, I won't say the best, but that's going to be one of the top two or three offensive lines that they face this season. They made them look dreadful, dreadful. That's all even without mentioning Deshaun Pace living in the backfield. So. Right. And Brian Threats, yeah. who's everywhere. <laughs> he runs 2,000 more yards a game than everybody else. <laughs> a practice. Yeah. But that's factual statement. Brian Threats runs two thousand yards more practice than everybody else on the team. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I do want to bring up real quick and and uh, Royer, your thoughts on this. <clears throat> so, game on the line, obviously. Um, a must get fourth and nine, and Cincinnati sends an all out blitz. They only dropped four into coverage. Seven going after the quarterback. And that's when Dingle came away with his his sack. I mean, that is aggression that we heard of coming into the season. And that's just, hey, this guy has struggled all all game throwing the football. So let's let let's let him have one last Hail Mary, or we're gonna we're gonna get to him. Yeah, um, not I wouldn't say that's gonna be written in the D, D coordinator textbook for every situation, but the circumstances of that game, I think it's perfect. One, struggling quarterback. So let's put our guys on their guys. Let's play 4v4. Um, some of our guys might be a little bit off ball, but they have to get nine yards. So let's let's be aware of the sticks, and let's just blitz the absolute shit out of this guy who he's got happy feet. He's been drilled multiple times. Yeah. He can't make Hammer the throw. All game. So let's just – just send send the house like that. I I would have done that too. I, I that's what I was on the couch. I was like send everyone, and I saw yep. Dingle and Debo go. I was like, yes, this is gonna be good. This is gonna work because if you do the math, it's gonna be five O lineman versus uh, and a running. It's gonna back. be five O lineman so and, and one back. Our, yeah. So someone's yeah, untouched. He's gotta get to six, and if we throw deep. If we throw DP, we just want to go straight four v four. Then we're gonna it's it's a victory. But when you have six, you can do when you blitz six, you're gonna to get to the quarterback. They blitz it's very they blitz seven because it just the offense doesn't. Happen. They did send they sent yeah. seven. Yeah, <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah, 
I didn't. I couldn't remember if DP went or not. I didn't remember. Yeah, but he sucked over the outside enough too. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, we heard aggression, and that was aggression too. Surprised they didn't just. I mean, he looked like we were blitzing. But you guys had maybe the most aggressive defensive coordinator in history. Check. You know, you guys had maybe the most aggressive defensive coordinator in history on your staff when you were there, right? And it wasn't Marcus Freeman? Yeah, Freeman. No, it wasn't Marcus Freeman. Who's this? Tenuta. Hmm. Well, I want to hear it. At one point in time. Fourth and Tenuta. <laughs> third and Tenuta, which third meant Tenuta. send the house. Like third and Tenuta is, I think it was Virginia. Was it? One of the yeah, places he was defensive coordinator, tech, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. They called it third and Tenuta because they knew, like, we're sending seven. Like, it doesn't matter what you do, we're sending seven. Did that, like, make I, them fucking block us? <laughs> <laughs> Still, maybe my favorite higher ground moment ever. Do you remember this, Royer, on on Family Day? Have I asked you this? No, I don't need. When he stood in the tower on Family Day. And just screamed explicitives from the tower, like all the way to the field. Oh, he does the entire family day. <laughs> you motherfuckers! I love him, dude. I like. I could see that being your grandpa. Like, if you were like, "Yeah, Danuta's my grandpa," I would be like, "Yep, that makes sense." <laughs> yeah, I miss him. I hope he's doing well. You guys are both nuts, but yeah, it yeah. it was Virginia Chad. I looked it up. He he came back as. I think it's like grandson played on Virginia Tech. He came yeah, back as like yeah. a defensive assistant yeah. later. Um, but yeah, it, it, Ohio State. Was yeah, he, he was. He was the D coordinator at Ohio State. He coached for like forty years. He Dude, was. He, he, he was everywhere. Let's see. Uh, His I'm, IMDb is deep. Oh, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. So, so where he has DC by his name, just real fast: Marshall, Kansas State, SMU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Uh, Notre Dame, NC State, Virginia, and then there's Cincinnati, Virginia Tech. Oh, right now he is coaching DB for the New Orleans Breakers. No way. <laughs> <laughs> of the of the USFL. There you I have is I have one of made... our guys on that team. Um, probably, I don't know. I have made great relationships with a lot of coaches over the years. I tried to get to know Tenuta, and he was just basically like, "No, walk off." Yeah, no. His, what, what a, I have no interest in talking to you. One of the oh, James Wiggins. Wiggins is on it. Is, yeah, is on their team. He's coaching Wig. He, <laughs> dude, him and Wig's dynamic so is amazing. <laughs> That's the, awesome. the most smiley, happy human on the planet. <laughs> Smiles and too Tenu- much. And Tenuta. Dude, he Wiggs loved Tenuta. I, I'm sure, like, I, like I bet yeah, it was yeah. like his dad, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the best, one of the best. Wide Wednesdays was John Tenuta. <laughs> it was just like no, Brett. You know the beauty of that? It was literally ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. He gave them ten minutes, and he took the microphone off, and he was like, "They were like, you know, <laughs> we need, we need a Wired Wednesday for practice today." I don't think they even got to. Like past, like stretching, right? Like you know, they right. have the the early, like the pre practice where they're just mm-hmm. walking through stuff, and then by the end of stretching, he took everything off and was like, "I got, I got to coach practice. <laughs> I'm done." 
Good luck. Don't give me that Olay bullshit. Him and Lou Brown had the same voice. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Dude, I bet you couldn't even have had like 80% of his practice on. Right, right. As I was going to say, uh, it was a lot of... I wish they would like bleep shit out more. I think it'd be so funny. (laughs) Justin and I literally stood like right in that that, that point of higher ground, like that corner of the end zone where the the tower's to your right and you're like the field is to your left. And just listened like there's little kids running underneath the tower, like playing in the back, like the back behind the back of the end zone. And Tanuta's just motherfucking everybody the whole practice. Those kids great. gotta know that that's ball, man. <laughs> it ain't it ain't all sunshine and rainbows when you get to be on football. It's uh those coaches do not give a shit. This is awesome. I love that guy, even yeah. though he would never talk to me. I loved him. Yeah. It's not you break him out in. here, boys. What? You had to break him in. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um. Real quick. Well, first off, Ryan, I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, Justin Harris filled in for uh, Sammy Anderson out with an injury. Obviously, Taj Ward kind of still learning that safety position. Uh, the warden, though, on the other side. I, I tell you what, he had himself a game. He. You know, it's it's coming out there and it's showing out, and it's it's a it's a young player, Jordan Young, that's that's obviously getting his first extended time against a power five team. And I thought Jordan Young had himself a good game, and he's he's proving that he's going to start to slowly figure it out more and more. Um, his dad uh, good to good to meet him. He was decked out and and a and a designed shirt, the warden JY, the warden. I absolutely loved it. But um, your your overall take. And, and just kind of the DBs. I, it seemed like it was just a tough game to get a grasp on because, like Chad already mentioned, it was just like throw the ball up, and if something if they happen to catch it, then they catch it. If not, let's hope they throw a penalty. So it, it seemed like it was a tough game to really kind of just get get a good sense of, of how to really play the receivers throughout the entire, you know, 60 minutes. Yeah, I really liked what I saw out of the DBs. Um, I, I don't think – I don't think they ever really got beat. I think they got hosed a couple times. I'm with you. Keep going. I'm with you. They they never got beat. (laughs) They never got beat, like, straight up. Like, they never got routed. They never got mossed. Um, They had that one MA with Taj at the end of the game. They got – well, I don't even know. Taj was involved. Um, I think they – and I think as much as the fans are going to bitch and moan about – Jay Harris's uh, DPIs, like two we of had a them good game. He called, and then he responds with one of the biggest plays of the game, the pass breakup that was just unbelievable. And you got to remember, Justin Harris has never Four been pass in this, breakups. Yeah, never been in this scenario in his career, this stage, getting picked on, and um, having to fill in for an injured player. So having like. Three of his pass breakups were balls that the receiver had caught. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Pe- and he knocked away, including the last one. Balls that the receiver that had caught, yeah. and he knocked away. Yep. Yeah. And and I wish Keegan he didn't meant- have those PIs because then he'd get the respect, like the recognition he deserved for how unbelievably critical and great of a job I, it is. And that was on third and nine, Chad, that set up the dingle yeah. sack <laughs> for the game. Real quick, Aaron. How Ryan, how hard is it? Like, you're not a DB, but you're gonna understand my question here. How hard is it to un, like defend a chuck and duck? 
where the quarterback, it's not, it's not a regular route. It's not like, you know, we saw what he did on regular routes. He broke the ball up when it got there. These are just like the receiver is reacting. You're reacting. Like it's, it's almost impossible for there not to be contact when the ball is just floating in the air. Your back's turned. Both, yeah, you're back. Like after you're like you're in a, a, a horrible position. Yeah, it's, it's on the island. hardest thing. Matt, man coverage, man coverage, corner is the hardest position. I, I, my opinion on the football field in terms of just pure athletic. Like I'm just talking like if you're going solely based on the athletic requirements, man Calvin coverage corner. What? The Kelseys would agree. They've they've mentioned it numerous yeah. times on their pod. Yeah. So man they, coverage corner uh, up on the line, that's the hardest. Ah, sometimes I think off ball is harder, but you know dealing with the receivers release, it, it's regardless. You know what you can do though. Chabu, talking about to offset that. Go ahead. Aaron. Hold on. Let, let Aaron go. Yeah. Chad was talking about those pass breakups. Uh, Keegan had mentioned it on the nightcap, and I heard it up up in the. Uh, press box as well but the you could hear the pittsburgh media griping about how those shouldn't have been even categorized as past breakups they should have been categorized as drops it's like that's that's not what that was that's not what that was that's not what that was he reached his hand in and took the ball away as you caught it that's a that is there's nothing more of a pass breakup than what justin harris did four times yeah yeah so that was that was kind of funny to hear them you know just kind of bitching and moaning about that Right. And, and I'm biased because I love Justin Harris. That's my guy. And, and, you know, we don't mention things that are above our pay grade here, but these snaps that Harris is getting while Sammy's out, it's just valuable. You know, this is – yes, he's he's an old player. He's, he's a guy that's been around the program for a very long time. But for him to get these in-game snaps in a high, high – that was an adverse situation, backs against the wall. Pitt had all the momentum in the world at home. The loudest that that crowd was until they, you know, bef- the only time before was when they played my mute theme music heading into the fourth quarter. But outside of that, Harris was locked in on that final drive. It was unreal. Yeah. For all those who remember, he was the one player standing in the end zone as Georgia uh, was receiving their trophy and all of that. Uh, That's actually incorrect. He, it wasn't him. There's so, one guy seated. I know. I know why. I know why. He was the reason that he was there, up. right? The reason that he was there that was reported was incorrect, but he was the one who was yes. who was there. So yeah, because that's how that's how long he's been around. What Cook, was the reason he was there? Uh, Cook was on the bench. Cook didn't leave the bench. He sat there and watched the ceremony, and uh-huh. Justin wasn't going to leave Cook by himself. Oh, so really? Justin stood in the end zone to wait for Cook. Good shit from the both of them. <laughs> I love. You. I was uh, holding God, Bolden I back. <laughs> I was holding Bolden back from trying to reach up and grab a dumbass Georgia fan in the tunnel. Let him do it. <laughs> that, that's the least. It. That's the least surprising thing I've heard come out of that game. <laughs> Royer, that's that's where one of your your gifts on the old uh, the old X dot com is uh, is from the Georgia game. I, I think you running out of the tunnel or something. Is uh, oh. I, that was that was when uh, I almost had to grab Brian Mason by the collar and say, "Why are you taking me out on KOR with the waning seconds of the game? I will score this touchdown for us to win." <laughs> Keep me in. I I can't 
put it any other way. I wasn't out there and we lost. So yeah. you take it how you want. I agree. We'll take that. Um, man, one last thing on gosh, I I I just love how exotic our, our offense and defense is. Uh, one last thing, we we kept on mentioning the motions and kind of confusing the defense. It just amps up with the rushing quarterback and the fact that you have to kind of have it in the back of your mind that Emory can run the football as well. You've got to keep one man always eyeing Emory. So, man, that's just exotic on both sides. Um, got, got good specialties. Uh, you know, it, it's all things are heading in the right direction, and, and, and momentum ha- could not possibly be stronger for the football team. Um, Look, we're not we, – we can't stop without talking about the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I, we can't move on because I, I think people just have a – they have a fan's understanding, which is emotional. Yeah. Which is visceral, and I understand that. But if you if you go back and, and watch, and, and I want Ryan's opinion here, I do not think they got soft in the fourth quarter. I think they were trying to do what they had done for the first three quarters and Pitt finally found a way to shut some of it off for a little while and give them credit. That's a damn good defense. That's going to be a top 25, 30 defense in the country this year. And Cincinnati kept them off balance for two and a half, pretty much three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, it was Cincinnati trying to like push the ball downfield and go deep. No, but guess what? They didn't do that the entire game. Like th- this notion that Cincinnati was aggressively pushing the ball downfield and aggressively attacking the pit defense <coughs> was false. <coughs> That's not how they got to 27 to seven. Yeah. They got to 27 to seven by beating the pit defense at, at what the pit defense is typically good at and pit stopped a couple drives and that creates punts. And then that creates opportunity that give them credit. They took advantage of, but ultimately like, it's not that I thought they went into a shell where they run, 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 run three runs up the gut and then punt the ball back. Like I did not see that. Am I wrong, Ryan? No, you're not. Um, I just thought that, you know, our run game kind of slowed down. But you, when you're having that success at it and uh, you're not just going to stop trying it. And I think Pitt kind of put their put their hands in the dirt and kind of put a little bit of a break on that run game as they needed to. because we They also run blitzed a shit ton more at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they made adjustments and it was – and we got to make – and part of part of that is we have to make adjustments and when we can't go that time period of, of no points and or just not as much time off the clock and no first downs because um, there's going to be teams with better quarterbacks and just bet that are better that they'll find ways to beat us but I don't there's think also there's us. also not going to be many teams with a better defense yeah. I think yeah, that's going to be a top fine. three defense Cincinnati plays this season Maybe not even two or three. I hope. Um, 
I, I think Iowa State's still going to be really good on defense. Right. I'm sure somebody in the Big 12 will have end up having a really good defense. They help. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is that's going to be a top two or three defense. The, the dogs are, are getting after it right now. Like the, I love it. I love it. They were caged up for five hours while we were at volleyball. So they are – so – but anyhow, like – but I agree, Ryan. Like you're going to have to score points in the Big 12. But what you're not going to have to deal with is a defense like that that actively for about 12 minutes just took away what Cincinnati was – using to be successful the entire game. But my point being, though, I do not think they went into a shell. I do not think they just turtled and said, let's end this game and hope that we can get to the finish line. I think Pitt just got a couple stops. Yeah. Well, and, and Chad, also, you – well, first off, um, you know, after Cincinnati won, the Bearcat fans turned into dogs and got after it. So a little, I like your little connection that you just made there inside of your own living room because – it happened in Pittsburgh as well, but um, also, uh, you know, the, so the longest pass play, uh, sorry, Cincinnati completed one pass for more than 21 yards in the entire game. Braden Smith. And, and that was Braden Smith. So, uh, yeah, they weren't, you know, kind of going air raid like they did against Eastern Kentucky, which shouts to Eastern Kentucky. They, they gave the Kentucky Wildcats a game on Saturday, which even further just amps me up and had me, putting more money than I should on the Bearcats, which turned out to be all right. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's not like they were going air raid. It was more of a a big time just, you know, they were controlling the line of scrimmage. They had great scheme set up. They had great rushing attack set up. But guess what? Pitt's a good team. Pitt was favored in the game. Pitt's always been a good team. They've, they've been fighting for a bowl. They were in the ACC championship game two years ago. Yes, they did have Kenny Pickett, but – Still, I like this is a good team that is consistently good and is supposed to have a really good defense. So, yeah, they're going to get stops. But when it came down to it, the bread and butter for Cincinnati coming into the game was Mason Fletcher, who pinned them deep in the fourth quarter a couple of times, and then the defense. And when the defense needed to step up there at the very end, they were able to. I agree, Chad. I don't think they went into a show. Um, I think, you know, they also were just probably focusing on picking up first downs, doing whatever they could to do it. Yeah. I, and look, I get it. Fans are emotional. Fans are drinking. It's 10 o'clock at night. Like your team is, is, is clinging to a lead <laughs> that looks like is going to melt away. I understand the emotional nature of it. Yeah. But I think as we get a day, two days removed, like it's, it's okay to like, like talk everybody down and un- like help them understand that, if you watch what they were trying to do on offense, it wasn't going into a shell. It was doing what had been successful and that not necessarily working in the fourth quarter. And then you get the atrocious officiating where yes, that shit matters. If you should sack the quarterback on third and seven and they, they don't call a blatant hold and Pitt converts, then that drive is extended because of the bad officiating. If there's a bad PI call where Justin Harris gets dragged down by his collar and they call defensive pass interference and and they get 15 yards, that is officiating impacting the momentum of the game. And that's what happened in the fourth quarter. Like, it, it is okay to say... The officiating has been dog shit 
And that is impacting the momentum of the game. Yeah. Because it was happening. It was real. Yep. And it was on the road. And the crowd was getting juiced into it. And I, like you see in college basketball a lot, you know, those block charge calls really start to go right. the home team's way. And those 14,000 fans were fired up. <laughs> right. They had just sang yeah. Sweet Caroline. Yep. <laughs> Where's my theme music? Um, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, I don't think they went to a show. Roy or Aaron, you guys agree? Yeah. I mean, you sat, said it after the game. Like, you're just trying to win a game. Like, that's it. You, you're you're just trying to win a game. Play <laughs> to win the game. You can have you're, 27 you're... to 7. Like, I, and, I, let's and, get out of here you're... with the dub. Narduzzi talked about it after the after the game that they made adjustments at halftime. Obviously, um, and you you expect a team like Pitt to make adjustments. You it, you're not going to go up uh, 50, 54 to seven or fourteen or whatever, like double the score, or whatever it was at halftime. Uh, you're not going to do that against a Pitt team, especially yeah. one that that has heralded itself on defense. Yeah, yeah, plain and simple. Plain and, and simple. And so, development, not a complete overhaul of a roster that then faces adversity for the first right. time like Cincinnati had. So, so and, and they're at home. And it's like Brent know. said, how about we give some credit to the Cincinnati defense? Because they said, no, nah, we ain't we ain't losing, dog. We ain't losing. Like, yeah. you know, you put up your fight, you you got your two touchdowns that you didn't really deserve, but you got them. We're not letting you get the third in the yeah. second half to win this game. Uh, pass breakup, pressure, sack, check, 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 and then run out the final four minutes of the clock. How about we give the, the Cincinnati offense some credit on that? On that drive. They yeah. didn't give Pitt the ball back. No. Narduzzi even said after the game that he still doesn't believe his team has any weaknesses. So that said, um, I mean, <laughs> take that for what you will, but <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> then he, he did say that, but then he went on to talk about the weaknesses that his team faced in this game. So I don't know. Yeah. Talk, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth in, in that regard, but whatever. Um, and he's still, frustrated about the booing of his starting quarterback as well. It's too. still, yeah. They, the second question in, the, in his presser was, did you consider taking out your quarterback? To which he responded, no. And that was his only response to that question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good team. And again, you know, you get up 20 to seven to seven and sure you get excited about, we're going to blow this team out, but yeah, no, Pitt's a good team. And that was never on the docket for this game is blowing this team out. Since I still finding their way and establishing identity as to who they are. And it was not going to be a dismantling of the Pittsburgh Panthers on their own home field. Yep. What it ended in was, the second win of the Coach Scott Satterfield era, a 27-21 victory, another cover. Good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, and that sets comfortable up. Comfortable cover. Comfortable, yeah. Essentially a two-touchdown cover. Both of them, yes. I, talk about a 66-13 to 13 cover followed up by a, another double cover. Uh, it's just, you know, great job. But uh, sets up what's going to be a pretty fantastic night this upcoming Saturday. Uh, anything more on the pit game, Royer, Aaron, Chad? No. I'm, I'm, does Royer have questions? 
Either way, before we get to riffing with Ryan, let's go ahead and timestamp that. I uh, I do not do not do questions. I just okay. No, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure. Can you hear me? That timestamp brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food oh. products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries, providing. A wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Now, we are on to Miami or on to fake Miami. Uh, it is another rendition of the battle for the victory belt 16 straight victories for the good team for the good boys right cincinnati 16 straight chad i think if i counted 16 it right. in a row yes yeah 16 straight um miami comes in though you know obviously they've they've got experienced quarterback one that uh cincinnati fans will will remember um but kind of you know obviously had had that rough game against the u week one um i i mean i I'm sure Chad, you and I, then they beat UMass, the big, big UMass win. Um, but aside from that, you know, Brett Gabbard's back at quarterback. Uh, their, their receivers, the uh, it's pretty funny spread out receiving. Uh, their their top receiver, Gage Larvaden, has uh, 16 catches, 353 yards, and three touchdowns. After that, there, there's two guys with two catches and then three with one catch. Um, so it's, it's pretty. Uh, <laughs> Pretty one get you know put JY the warden on Gage Lavardane and well the, the question it. here is is clear can Miami withstand Cincinnati's pass rush right because they don't have a great rushing attack no like they want to throw the ball is Blaine Gabbert going to be able to stand back there and 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 try to you know not Blaine or maybe if they brought back Blaine. Yeah, Blaine. Brett, Brett Cabert. Brett Cabert. If, okay. if they brought back Blaine to college from one more year, maybe. <laughs> maybe. There's too many of them. Too many of them. Blake is the oldest one, right? Uh, maybe. I, no, Blaine Gabbert is the oldest one. He's the NFL guy. I don't, know where I, brought, I don't know where I thought Blake from. That's yeah. me. That's on me. <laughs> I'm trying to calm down these dogs. My bad. Hey. Um, but are you going to be able to just comfortably stand in the pocket and pick apart the Cincinnati defense? Like, I wish you luck. Yeah. I wish you luck. Yeah, I agree. I, and like you said, too, I, this is going to be a ruckus atmosphere. It's going to be popping. Um, a nip at night, projected good weather, I believe. Uh, it's gonna be rowdy, <laughs> and it's when, gonna get a little. I think it's gonna get down into like, like the, the, the 50s, so might be a little chilly around third, fourth quarter. Hey, that's football weather. That's football might, weather. Right might there. have to, might have to put a hoodie in the bag. Saturday, currently 79 degrees as a high, 51 as a low. Okay. I like, hey, hey, that's nice. That's nice. That's that's temps dropping. As soon as that sun sets, that's temps dropping. 
What's that? Football leather music? Yes, that football leather music right there. Bring them out. Uh, yeah, Aaron, thank you, Asiago. I knew I was missing something. Aaron, before we do completely move on, you were in the uh, press room uh, for the uh, Emory Jones on on the uh, mic, you know, getting answering questions left and right. The Godfather, Dante Corleone, comes in. I, and take it away from there, Aaron. First off, I don't know what the hell these stadiums, any of them, are doing with, with these cheap-ass chairs that they have. It seems like more often than not, there's these cheap-ass fold-up chairs that are not – they're all in places that football players would be, but not a, one of them are made to support a football player. I'm afraid and to sit in them. I, I'm saying. Yeah. So, so poor Dante comes in. And he's, you know, just he's he's changed out of his uniform, and he just comes in trying to be quiet because Emery's talking. Tries to go sit down until it's his turn to talk. He's probably tired. He's been pushing Pit Panthers around for hours, and he tries to sit down. And the chair said, "Nah, fam, not today." <laughs> chair folds like a wet paper bag. Yep. And Dante finds himself on the floor with, you know, one strapping young gentleman, Zach Stipe, having to help him up. That's that a, was a phenomenal picture of him helping up Dante. That phenomenal. was something that was something to watch in and of itself. Um, chair gets thrown away and perhaps it ends up going to the trash somewhere in Pittsburgh. Perhaps it made a ride home to Cincinnati somehow. All I'm saying <laughs> is... Uh, that chair is going to go down in lore some way, somehow. Yeah, it was. It, it's funny because I saw, um, I saw it, and I, I, because someone said Dante broke a chair. I imagine it was in the you know celebration in the locker room, and instead the locker room celebration was all about Coach Scott Satterfield putting on uh, Dorian Jones, Dorian Jones glasses, yeah. which is unbelievable yet again. Um, <laughs> look that up if you can. Uh, what are those sunglasses? They're one lens the entire way through. It's I don't good look. Good look for Coach Scotty Sat. Uh, but yeah, Aaron, that was you. You a scene to behold. You guys got it on camera. That was just awesome. That was all Keegan. That was that was all Keegan. <laughs> I felt bad for Emery though because here he is trying to answer questions. Not never lost poise as a true quarterback should, I suppose, and uh, just. I'm sure he couldn't wait to get out of there at that point. Like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, I I love it, though, because this season continues on this special direction. That's going to be something they look back at, laugh at, and just, you know, it, it'll be a story that continues on forever. That, that would be legendary. Like, if you had a fantasy football league, how about that for your championship trophy? The Dante Corleone <laughs> folded chair. It'd be legendary. Oh, I would have. Yeah, you should have taken that, Aaron. I didn't. You should have hung it up in the back of your, of your back. <laughs> that would have been a great. I didn't take it, but like I said, perhaps it made its way out of that stadium somehow. Ooh. Which that's that's some cojones to just walk out of a stadium with something that at one point, broken or not, belonged to the stadium. Property of <laughs> yeah. Well, I, who knows? Could could potentially sit right next to the traveling, non-traveling. <laughs> trophy that is staying hang in. it hang it from the, the from the, the lever the lever from the lever yeah yeah i mean 
That would be great. Well, speaking of traveling trophies that don't really doesn't really travel too often, especially in, in recent seasons. Not anymore. Battle for the victory bell. Uh, we, we were kind of touching on it. Um, Royer, you took part in the battle for the victory bell. Just, just, that. Uh, come on. We, we want to hear what you got to say. Miami. It's, it, it means a lot. I, I think the previous staff did a great job of emphasizing the rivalry and it's, it's a culture, cultural rivalry between the two schools, the two programs, kind of what we base ourselves off of. And I really think that from how we've talked to Nico, that this program's in that, that same mindset. Um, so I think they really need to keep tapping into that, that this is, this is a rivalry for a reason. Um, their program carries themselves, their university carries themselves in ways that are a lot different from ours. And speaking from my own opinion, uh, different in a bad way. Um, and I think there's the, the brand at Cincinnati is just a way different brand. And when you go play a team like that, I think from the moment you're on the field, you kind of feel like why you guys are branded so differently and why the rivalry exists. Cause it's real. I mean, it's kind of hard. It, it, it's, it's hard. Like, sometimes it's hard to remember how serious rivalries are when one team dominates. You kind of look at the, the Ohio state, Michigan, how Ohio state beat up on Michigan for so many years in a row. And people were starting to question the rivalry and then nicely Michigan come back and and you kind of feel how that that hatred for those teams are kind of building back up again but when you're a player on the inside of it that hatred is always there um just because you know what it's about and it's one of the most uh it's one of the the oldest traditions in college football the victory bell it means a lot to to us and i'm hoping and i'm i i believe that this staff is going to do job to do that justice because, um, you know, it's even us being in the Big 12 now, it's even more of like, you know, a conference jump. But I don't think that that'll never affect kind of what it means to the, the players and the alumni and the people on the inside. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a classic look ahead game. Um, and that's what the Miami coaching staff can kind of hammer if they want. It's the fact that, yeah, like, there, there's a massive game coming up the uh, next day. I mean, the next week. Sorry, I had a random video come on on my on my headphones. But um, yeah, it's it's Oklahoma the week following, big noon kickoff on on Fox. It's already been been discussed, uh, already been announced. But it's a rivalry game, and you've got to get everyone locked in. You've got to come out and just I think prove your dominance and go from there. Yeah it being a rivalry, I think it, it eliminates that trap game right um, scenario, or at least definitely weakens it because it it's a big deal. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it always was a big deal. And Gino would always get up there and damn near cry talking about how important it is and, and how, how big of a deal, how the, how big of a deal the stark difference in cultures are to him and to all the teams that came before us. Um, so being that we have a guy like Walt on the staff, I think that's huge. Carrie Combs, who knows Cincy, who knows the program, knows its importance. I think all those guys are going to do a good job of emphasizing that. I think it's really going to 
we're, we're going to be primed. We're going to be ready to go. We're not going to be in there looking to we're look, we want to go beat the shit out of these guys. And we're looking to, to stomp them out for every touchdown that we can. Um, so the guys are, they're not going to be playing cupcake waiting for layup, a layup game. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Yeah. I, it, you know, it's good when you have Dante, Jawan, Gavin as captains on the team. And then Emery, who's trying to you know, make a, make a statement on his, in, in his last college season. So yeah, it, the, the focus will be there. Um, it's, it's especially being at nip and nip at night, uh, get in, do your business and, and go. But Roy, I want to know your thoughts on this. So it, Aaron, line opened at 17, I believe, right? Or was it 16 and a half? Open at 17, and I believe it's already slid down to 14. Yeah, it's at 14 right now. It's gone three points. I'm getting on right now. Hold on. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I, I, it's just that's the puzzling thing. Um, With an over-under at 40. Over-under is at 46 and a half. I, I, no, mean, I mean. I don't know. I don't know what they what Vegas thinks they know about this team. They, they've been wrong. Well, they've been royal. Especially with ESPN's FBI. ESPN's FBI has projected Cincinnati now at nine wins and three losses. So I don't I don't know what Vegas is doing. Miami lost at Miami. 38 to 3. Had 50 rushing yards. I I, I just I don't know. Um, yeah, and and like you said, Aaron, like this is a it's a game where you know Cincinnati's not ranked in in the AP or the coaches poll, but in the metric polls, they're they're really starting to to really warm up to the Bearcats. Uh, they they've got them right there in the top twenty five, top twenty, sometimes even in, in, in the top ten, and just based off of you know performance grades and whatnot. So. Yeah, um, as Vegas continues to sleep, as Royer, you know, scrolls through all of his different betting apps. On the, on the, on the spread. <laughs> all through the betting apps, yeah. Gotta I mean, re- realistically, you shut down Larvardane, who has 16 of Gabbert's 24 completions. Yeah. He has 353 of Gabbert's 429 yards. One of those was a 99-yard has- touchdown catch. And he has three of the four touchdowns that Gabbert's thrown. One with 99 yards. Again, just all you have to do is stop Larvidane. And I don't know that Miami has an offense. I don't know. I I don't want to harp too much on it. But, yeah, it just seems that it's just a very puzzling thing. But so was 21 and a half for EKU. And so was – Quite honestly, eight and then six and a half against Pitt. So um, we'll see. It's it's a battle for the victory bell. It is a rivalry game. Got to get the staff large and involved. But you heard it on here. Nico asked you, Ryan, and you know asked about the you know the Miami rivalry game, and he was genuinely listening and genuinely you know taking in, soaking it all in. And and the, you bring up the fact as well that you know the the past history that Coach Scott Satterfield has coaching at App State and, and just knowing what it's like to have the ability to, to be spoiler, if you will, against the, you know, the power five teams. But I, I, I mean, I think everyone knows the direction I'm going when it comes to this Saturday. So um, big, exciting kickoff nip at night, 
action is going to be packed. And then before you know it, it will be the uh, massive week the following week. Um, anything more on says it about Mac and I, yeah, but those games were, were both like it, it wasn't a win that was really in doubt. Last last game where Cincinnati struggled was that was the pick six to close it out. Malik, um, not only did we struggle, we should have lost. Yeah. The streak should have been ended. Dead in the water. Thank you, Chuck Martin. Dead <laughs> in the water. Yeah, that was I mean, like I that was my first year on the team. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like I couldn't <laughs> believe that we were that bad. One, that we were that bad, that we played mm-hmm. that bad. Yep. And that we won. <laughs> Ivan was Ivan was on that team, right? Yeah, yeah. on on Miami. On Miami, yeah. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. no he not, he wasn't. On that, yeah. not, not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was... They bust. They bust all the whole team to Miami. So I didn't travel my first year, but I they put us there in our jerseys, all the walk-ons, <laughs> and we're like, "Holy shit, are we really gonna lose?" Like they bust our dumbasses out here to lose. <laughs> they bust out the fucking make a wishes. You can't. You gotta lose, you guys did not though. Um... I mean, then there was that monsoon game at Paul Brown, twenty-one nothing oh win. God, yeah, that was insane. That was the it was terrible. Then it was thirty-five thirteen, then forty-nine fourteen, then thirty-eight seventeen. So haven't really been in shouting distance since that uh, game at Oxford back in twenty seventeen. Um, yeah, I feel like we've always been just like so close, just like stomping the shit out of them, and then like we don't get that one touchdown, and they get one more. Right, um, right, and they back, they back they always like kind of like hang around, and we always don't play like our best game to make it like a fifty pointer or like a four or a six touchdown tough stuff like that. Rivalry, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess that's the, yeah. the part that this rivalry is at it now. So yeah. yeah, I mean, even the even the uh, year it was forty nine fourteen, obviously a blowout the the um, college football playoff year, but. I mean, even still, I, they, they should have won that game, hundred ninety to nothing. That should have been the cast by ninety game. But uh, hey, you still let them score fourteen points in that game. Come on now. Either way, um, but yeah, I mean that's about all I've got on on Miami. Uh, Chad, I'm sure you guys will go in depth on that when it comes to uh, time coming up. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for now. All right, that's a quick paper supply timestamp. Your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins, etc. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Uh, Let's roll into basketball recruiting real fast. Chad, uh, you mentioned coaches are back out on the trail, on the board, on 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 the old X.com. It's been, you know, you've you've been seeing the coaches at certain different locations, checking out different players here and there. Um, what more do you have on on that front? And is is this kind of just a 
similar to what we saw back when they were really going after McKinley early and and trying to trying to just kind of continue to set up those connections with with uh, players throughout every class. No, I mean they're in they're in the closing stretch on the 2024 class, and if you'd mm-hmm. like more info on that, I would suggest you go to BearcatJournal.com. Okay, all right, it's on X.com, so I thought we would no, dive it's not. into it. Too. I, there, there was a few that were that were mentioned on there. Well, by I mean, other, it, by other people. Well, I mean, they're out. Yeah, they're out. But of course, like they're that's what the staff is is set to do at this point is go out and watch as many kids as possible. They went and saw LeBaron Phylon and and Jasper Johnson at Link Prep. Uh, Wes was there on Saturday. He was in in Cleveland Sunday looking at some young guys. Uh, he saw a priority target today. That is fresh off a visit to Michigan State. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would just suggest head on over if there. you want to know what's going on on the basketball recruiting front. Like, it, you know, look, we it, it, we're the cow. We can't give all the milk away for free. <laughs> I hear you, man. I we gotta you. keep we gotta keep something in the udder. Right, right. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Head head over there. Um, I guess I won't say anything more, but what about, uh, I guess, yeah, that's it. Um, we can timestamp football, basketball recruiting. <laughs> I mean, timestamp. We just did that. I, I'm, I'm joking. Um, yeah, don't worry about it, Aaron. You're fine. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> well, if that's all we got, then I guess we can roll into uh, the mailbag. There's plenty of right. questions here, so let's get moving. Starting off in the football porch in the mailbag. Um, goodness, I have to scroll. Uh, we are 34th in the AP and 41st in the coaches poll. Do we get into the top 25 with an impressive win over Miami and a 3-0 record? Or do we have to beat Oklahoma and go 4-0 to crack the top 25? As always, I think that uh, this one's going to depend on what the other teams above you do. My answer is no. There's, yeah, uh, I think we'll be unranked. There are no good games this weekend. Next weekend is a absolute barn burner of a weekend, but this weekend I think there's like two games that feature top 25 versus top 25, and outside of that, there's no like real spo- – there's like two games that are inside of a 10-point spread heading into Saturday. If you beat Miami by a score similar to the EKU game, still nothing? No. I, I think this will be uh, – yeah. So be a game, a weekend where everyone is just slowly preparing for the following weekend because that's when all the big games are. I mean, you look at that. I'm gonna. Good. I don't know. I just muted chat. I think he was talking to the dogs or Kelsey. Um, I think that, truthfully, because I am, I, I think that the media is always trying to do some things for ratings purposes. I would not at all be surprised if Cincinnati cracks at twenty five. 24 simply to say oh look here now is a two top 25 teams facing off in historic nippert stadium that would not surprise me especially if there's seven losses six losses ahead of cincinnati and they beat miami's if they beat the brakes off miami and you can justifiably slip them into the top 25 there were two people who in the voting today that had cincinnati in the or on sunday that had them in the uh Top twenty-five. So yes, yeah, so, well, so you receive other receiving votes. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, Iowa, who's twenty-fifth, plays Western Michigan. Twenty-fourth, uh, UCLA plays North Carolina Central. Um, 
23rd is Washington State. They play Northern Colorado. Uh, 22nd is Miami. They play Bethune-Cookman. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like yes, I do agree with you. Like, like, I agree with you, but it's just, you know, it's not like Cincinnati's 26 and they're just waiting to, you yeah. know, hop in. I mean, Duke plays Northwestern. North Carolina plays Minnesota, which is the first, like, decent chance for a top 25 team to win. Then Oklahoma plays Tulsa. It's just – it's a pretty poop weekend. Well, uh, moving on. The ESPN FBI now has us ranked 24th and at a nine-win projection. Revisit your earlier win projections and call out the other seven wins. We need to get to nine. P.S. The ESPN FBI has the most accurate – non-biased look and feel than any other ranking in my opinion um you what yep got the schedule pulled up they want us to pick the seven other wins seven other wins for since the, the, the espn fpi is and always has been awful <laughs> let's not pretend like it's good just because it has cincinnati in it this week uh, like we have mocked I, that I, forever I, I think we can. I think that Baylor becomes Baylor, Iowa State, uh, Miami, Miami. Uh, UCF, Reese Plumley's out. I think, look, I think Oklahoma's more likely than Kansas at this point. Yeah. Can you watch Jalen Daniels, Royer? I just know. Have you watched Jalen Daniels play football? Kansas, Kansas coming to Nipper in December, in in uh, November, end of the year. That's if Jalen Daniels is playing for some reason, then I'm with you. If Jalen Daniels is playing, that is a monster. He's so good, man. He, he is, but he hasn't played yeah, yet. Has he? Has he played last week and he was fucking incredible. Else. Oh yeah, no, it was position. it was week one. He didn't play. Yeah. You know Look, what I mean? Houston on the road. UCF now with John Wright Plumley out for multiple weeks. Yeah. Um, who knows what that does to their season? Iowa State, I think Cincinnati can very much win. Baylor, I think Cincinnati can very much win. Oklahoma State is not unattainable. Like it, uh, that again, it goes back to they don't play the top. Four of the top five most talented teams in the league. Yep. So no Texas, who's maybe one no of the Texas, best. Texas, no the Kansas State, no TCU. You know, like I, I pick seven. I'm, I'm starting to feel better about seven plus. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. I just needed I said, five. I eight, nine. <laughs> I'm feeling really good. Devin Devin Neal also for Kansas has has had a really good start to the year running back. Ten carries, 120 yards and a touchdown last week. Kansas offense is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. All of us who drank the Kool-Aid early. Kool-Aid still takes the first the Godfather gang at the end of November. Black Friday. All right. Uh, what are the biggest surprises for each of you so far? Ooh. Kiner. 
Kiner quickly establishing himself as, as the lead back. Revamp the look. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'll say, I think the offense would be this good, have this many layers to it. Yeah. But I'll do you agree, Ryan? Mind. I think that that comes off Corey. Like Corey has added that element of like give this guy the ball and he can he can kind of carry you a little bit. Mine's been the O-line cemented this week. The receivers that we've been kind of expecting the surprise to come from from them. Emory Jones, I think, has been way better on the run, immediate game, and just overall just quarterback play than I expected. Um, And just the overall, like, the the option look, I did not expect. I expected more of, like, the outside zone – I didn't. I wasn't expecting like speed option, triple option, triple option motion, inside zone. option motion. Like I, a lot of inside. Yeah, zone. and inside zone was the one that was Corey was going off on. Right. Yeah. So that's my yeah. I say offensive line for me. So. Yeah, I think they've been good at what we what we anticipated they were going to be good at, like. They were run blocking really well throughout camp. So I thought we felt good about that. Um, they've been they've been okay pass blocking. Um I thought, you know, Pitt caused problems, but that's one of the best pressure defenses in the country. So it'll be interesting to see what the so here's what I'll say, Aaron, in in, in agreement with you, but like in terms of like looking forward, um the Eastern Kentucky defense was not a test at all. No, I agree. The Pitt defense was an extreme test, right. and they've kind of been in the middle. I'm really interested to see what they look like against kind of an average Power 5 defensive line or, like, defense. You know what I mean? Like a Baylor. Like a, like a Baylor. Like a yeah. kind of Oklahoma. Like that BYU. Oklahoma, BYU. Right. Like, so if they look – like they have looked so far against an average P5 defense, then yeah, the offensive line is, is we're going to be onto something and we're going to be talking about Nick Cardwell and how awesome he has been at salvaging something that was a disaster last year. All right. Uh, Brent, did you have one? No, that offense is just sexy and it, I, I okay. love the defense getting <laughs> after it as well. Very good. All right, question for Ryan. I think there's like five of them in here specifically for you today, Ryan. Uh, Do the the players like the catwalk, and what is the funniest thing you've heard being yelled out by fans, and what is the meanest thing you've heard during the walk? (laughs) Um, Yeah, we love the catwalk. It's awesome. Um, Funniest thing, just literally just screaming. There's not you don't hear a lot. I the one thing that I loved was this lady had a victory mini victory bell that we could ring. That I wouldn't call it funny, but it was probably funnest or most fun, I should say. Um, <laughs> That's the Republican. No mean things are ever said because it's all Bearcats fans. It's all yeah. That they that little um, that little bell is pretty cool. I like that thing. But yeah, there's no mean stuff. That's about it. 
You can go on. Another question for Ryan. What's the typical game day routine for the team before they get to campus for catwalk and info uh, into into, Nipper? into yeah. Like what time was report time Friday to head to the hotel on med campus dinner, Friday night activities, etc. Okay. Uh, so we had a hour long practice, basically a walkthrough style. Um, I think we were on the field around one thirty or two ish. And then we would do that. We'd go watch film. We'd shower up and then we'd go to the hotel and we'd go up to our room, put our stuff down, go back down. And by that time it would, we have like 30 minutes, go back down for dinner. And at dinner, we will coach the coach, coach fickle would talk for a couple minutes. And then we do a team prayer with, we had, with a pastor that would travel with us. Obviously it was, you were free to participate or not, if you wanted to or not. Um, and then we had a Joel, the Blanco prayer after following that <laughs> had his script and he would do that then we'd eat eat the good food at the hotel after that then it was they did milkshakes so it'd be milkshakes and we just hang out we go play cards and basically you did that from like you just got to either watch car watch a movie play cards just both they had like xboxes you could just chill and occasionally like for brief times you'd go watch some film with like coach fickle or coach mason or your d coordinator or your o coordinator just like quick refreshers and then i think bed check was already always at like 9 30 so we'd go up to our room and then coach fick would knock on everyone's door and come in and like make sure we're in there but then it would just be like us talking with them like guys would do like play pranks on them like they would like just have their ass out when he walked like lame. <laughs> it was, oh, dude, it was Dylan O'Quinn, Dylan O'Quinn, and Tyvan Fawson. Yeah, they all oh, the funny. They would do the funniest shit to him. But then, then the next morning we'd wake up just depending on when the game was. So, uh, like early mornings, like early games, we'd wake up at like seven and go down to go down to breakfast, then walk through and then have a snack and then basically come come back down for um, uh, kick meetings. And then it was Coach Fickle talked and then we went to the stadium and then we got to the stadium and then it was just, you know, warm-ups, all that shit. But, and then if we played at different times, that would, we'd get like a break before we went down to kick meeting based on what time kickoff was. But it's it's go go go. You you get to relax at night after dinner, but you wake up and it's kind of like it's go time. You get to the catwalk. But yeah, that's about it. There you go. Full rundown. Thanks, Ryan. Love it. Love it, Ryan. Gotta give the fans what they want. Hey, what they want. <laughs> Are our corners taught to not turn and look for the ball? It happened a lot Saturday and leads to a lot of penalties. Is this because they don't have great ball skills? It happened a lot Saturday and also resulted in a lot of pass breakups because they played the catch. With and they dislodged ball the ball from the receiver, which are great ball skills. Like, I, 
that I will. I don't mean to be offensive, but our corners have been doing this for the, five, the all every five years with Fickle. So this is like this is what it's man defense. Is anytime you're running man, which will probably run over seventy five percent of the time, um, you're the corners are taught to turn into the receiver and basically like I was talking about with Dingle earlier, you react to the hands. You're not going to see a lot of picks unless it's like right like quick routes that's where the frustration it's, lies from the fans is, is the unless fact you're, you're sauce gardner receptions unless you're right. sauce who was elite and was so good in coverage but guess what sauce also did a ton played the ball and knocked it away from the receiver yeah i like, thought you were gonna say it, hung out on the side where they didn't throw the ball <laughs> yeah well they, that's why they stopped so throwing at him because yeah. you couldn't complete anything because he could do both things, yeah. <laughs> right? It opens up the door for more for safeties and maybe the occasional like linebacker interception. Um, you're not going to see a ton of interceptions out of our corners unless they're playing off or they're playing like cover two and stuff like that. Zone, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, this this is a long question. There's It looks like three main questions. We answered it um, mostly. We did, uh, but did it feel like once we got up 27-7, the coaches basically parked the bus and tried to salt the game out, picking it back up late in the fourth when Pitt found themselves back in the game? I know we touched on that quite a bit. I don't know if there's anything anybody else wants to add here to that before we go to the second part of the question. Look, the, the job of being up 27-7 is to get to 27-26 when the score, when the clock hits zero. To get home with the win, right. You're on the road. You're playing against a, a, a quality opponent, win the game, get on the plane, fly back to Cincinnati. Like that's the job. Run the ball because we've been running it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not gonna think, yeah, let's open let's take some risk here and get some turnovers. Right. That's how like, you really that's, lose the game. You, that's the you thing also, that blows my mind. Like the game plan in the fourth quarter of 27 to 7 should be uh air raid. Run that fucker. <laughs> they ran they threw one pass over 21 yards, like Brent said. The entire also, game. I, I mean, I, I'm sure that this isn't a huge part of the game plan, but you have to be cognizant of the fact that you're playing a big game against Oklahoma where you don't want to open up the playbook too much. Nah, I wouldn't you don't think. worry about Oklahoma at Pitt. No. But not not like, when you have a 20 point lead, is what I'm saying. Like that's well, not yeah, when you open up the that's playbook. Not, what I'm saying is that's not in your thought process. Like you're just trying mm -hmm. to get to the end of the game. Oklahoma's not really like like in your mind at that point. But the other point being like you continue doing what had worked. It, like good on Pitt to stop some of that in the fourth quarter. Like like congratulations to them on adjusting their game plan and having the guys on their team make a couple plays. Um but the reality is they just continued doing what had worked for 45 minutes. It just didn't work a couple times in the fourth quarter when it had essentially worked the rest of the entire game. Like, I, I, that's not, that's not, they didn't park the bus. They didn't, they didn't go into a turtle shell and run the ball up the middle three times and punt. Like, that is parking the bus. They were trying well, to convert so third downs. They were trying to actively not be in second and long and third and long. Pitt just played pretty good defense in the fourth quarter. 
the follow-up question to this is on that note, do you feel like if we would have kept up the production from the first half, staying focused on being locked in and going 20 to seven in the second half for a final score of 40 to seven, people would be talking about the Bearcats more and giving us more AP votes. No, Maybe. they would say it was a bad loss for Pitt. Yeah, Pitt sucked. Like Pitt, Pitt isn't as good as we think they are, is what they would have said. It, it it does take a win against like Oklahoma, a ranked team, in order for people to be like, uh oh, look out. Like there there was one like Kirk Herbstreit gave him flowers, Pat Forty gave him flowers, but outside of that, no, you gotta you gotta beat a ranked. It team. was the narrative is Pitt isn't as good as we thought they might be. Yeah. And that that kind of ended it. That's how national um, narratives work. Right. And then I know this question was answered a bit in the uh, in the chat on, on the boards here. But uh, final question is a rules clarification that maybe Ryan can provide the best insight on. I thought if the momentum of a player carried them into the end zone with the ball on punt coverage that it would end up being a touchback. What is the dividing line on what should be a touchback versus not? I thought the one on Saturday should have been a touchback, but they ended up putting it on the one-yard line as he fell into the end zone after establishing Essentially, essentially in college, you just have to, like, catch it and pause. And he did that. Yeah. You can catch it with both feet in the end zone if the ball is not breaking the plane. Yeah. Correct? There you yeah, go. Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the so, ball is not broken the plane, as long as you catch it yeah. and like pause, then it yeah. and the ball is placed where it was but, when you yeah, caught it and you paused. can't you'll see some guys go try to bat it. And if you bat it, it's not where you make contact with the bat. You have to then bat it so that it stays away from breaking the plane. It's kind of like a touchdown, right? Like the nose of the ball can't break the plane. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the clarification, everyone. Uh, what was more surprising when the win versus Pitt, the win in the Rose Bowl versus UCLA, any other honorable mention, the past two coaching tenors? Um, definitely. Yeah. UCLA, the first time. I think it's, I think it's UCLA as well. Look, yeah. as we have talked about, that 2017 team should have been 1-11. and 11. Right. You guys were dog shit. You're terrible. And like that's just they should have lost to Miami. They 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 should have lost every game but one, which was the FCS game, I believe, that year. Um and then to show up at the Rose Bowl and physically beat the shit out of UCLA was shocking. That was a team which was Chip is, Kelly, I, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's Dorian a that's Thomas. a high flying that's a high flying offense. Anytime Dorian, Chip Kelly's involved, DTR Dorian Thomas Robinson or whatever the hell DTR that's in the NFL now. Um, like like there they there was no business to believe UC had any chance to win that game based on what we knew going into that season. And I don't know that the next five years look like the next five years if you guys don't win that game, Ryan. All right, right. No, I, I want like I want Ryan on this. Did yeah? What, I, I how much different was, was the locker room momentum. on that plane? How much different was everything yeah, on was that like, plane? It solidified everything that we thought we knew. And sometimes, if you lose that game, you're like, wait, we just 
what we believe was a lie. Uh oh, we lost Ryan. That was um, that was yeah, Chip Kelly's debut. Um, oh, you're back, Ryan. Well, there you are. I don't know what's going on. Sorry, my internet's being a little weird right now. <laughs> Basically, Take what I was saying was, that if, yeah, like we're like, yeah, we're like we're we're here, like this, like we're gonna we're gonna shock the world because, and if you lose that game, you'll you'll be you'll question all that work you put in, all that confidence you build up, like to change this program if we don't find a way to win you're like damn like it was really kind of like we burned the ships like for that game to like to like prove not only like we wanted to prove it to ourselves the most not not to anyone else like that our work paid off and if you don't win that game it's kind of like damn was that work real like you start questioning it so i do agree chad I, that that win really propelled us oh, a, a follow-up Vic going for it on fourth down or and how many times oh, yeah. he went yeah. all in like that makes you guys believe in your coach, right? Like this crazy motherfucker has our back. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. I, I thought it changed everything. Like, I don't know where this program is at. If you guys don't win that game at UCLA. Yeah. And going into Ooh. the pit game, there was a lot of people that thought, I, like, I wanted to flip my pick, but I wanted to be true to, like, I want them to show me that they can go into pit and win this game. Yeah, so I'm I didn't. Pick pit. Yeah. I wanted to show me that, that, that they have the cojones to do this, and they did. Like, I don't – but I don't think – we're not shocked tonight. We are not shocked on this podcast that they beat pit. They definitely we were, were shocked. We were shocked that you guys beat UCLA. Oh, we weren't, dude. We were, we, we were like, we're gonna win this. There's no way we lose. We were all like psyched. We were all like brainwashed. <laughs> I know, but my point is, from our seat, you were fucking terrible in 2017. I know. I know. I know. It's quick, funny though. Quick guess the spread, guys. What do you think the spread was of that game going into it? It was double UCLA. digits, wasn't it? Yeah, the UCLA. UCLA, UCLA plus 13 and, 13 and a half. Pretty right. damn good. What? What is it? What was it? I was it? waiting for your guess, Chad. 13, 12 and a half. All right, it was 14. So All right. very close. Yeah. Very close, guys. And, and this one was six and a half. And if you didn't hammer it, then go bad for you. All right. Uh, was part of the new rule changes to not call penalties on obvious and on obvious holds by the opposing offensive line two games in, and it's been bad. It's not. Here's the thing that blows my mind. Sorry. It was not holds. It was grabs. Like it was, you beat me, and I'm going to grab the shit out of you there were some blocks in the back too on the pursuit of a like when when you yeah. got past that first line of defense. There was some some real bad blocks in the back too. Like like holds are objective. Like it's it's like some crews are a little bit tighter on where the hands are inside and where the hands like that mesh point of like what's a hold and what's a good block. These were obvious. Pitt was grabbing guys, running free to the quarterback. And like 
flowing that like where you could legitimately see a guy do this. What was happening was you see offensive linemen do this when they know they're beat and they're willing to take the penalty to avoid their quarterback having his face mask pushed into the dirt. And they still didn't call those blatant penalties that the offensive linemen knew when they did them were penalties. But how about um, the the Dorian Jones hands to the base call were he and the offense or Greshik? Yeah, it's Greshik. You're right. He and the offensive linemen were both hands to the face, running with each other's. With each had their face mask, and Cincinnati gets called. What? What? That was all right. Again, I said it on Twitter, and people lost their minds because, well, actually, they're not playing very well in the fourth quarter. That was maybe the worst officiating crew I've ever seen in terms of the consistency of how they officiated the game. It was terrible. Terrible. If you could redo the win over under now after two games, would you go over six and a half wins? Uh, I've said it all along that it's going to be between six and eight. So I'm still there. No, you're not there. Because you're still at six, potentially. Okay, so <laughs> seven and nine. Okay, so you're you're over six. You have eliminated six. Kool Aid tastes your... good, doesn't it, Aaron? Kool Aid tastes good. <laughs> All I know is I'm, I I put a you I can't... put a hundo I put a hundo on that five and a half, and I'm feeling. I know, <laughs> but you can't like still put six in your answer if the number it's, is six and a half. It's fine. Uh, yeah, um, I I yeah, I don't know. I'm like I'm rolling with seven. I, I know that I think they're gonna win, but I have a feeling these guys could do something, dude. You I know what know. we haven't like, talked about I, enough, Royer. The when I just watch this defense and I just know, huh? You know what we haven't talked about enough. Scott Satterfield won nine games in his first season at Louisville. He came into a dumpster fire of a situation. That was a train yeah, wreck. And I think and and they won nine games. Is, is, is so good, dude. In the ACC, they won nine games. And we have a better defense than they did. That was also before maybe a better forward. offense. I think Emory Jones might be. I think Emory Jones might be a, a serious like difference maker. I, I think I really underestimated him, to be honest. Because I'm just watching him. I'm just watching the way he throws the intermediate. And it's just it, – it, his every, the ball coming out of his hand is pure. He he can throw. And I always just thought he was just going to be – run – like run would be more – Throw the deep valuable. ball and run. Run and gun. Yeah. But it's just all valuable now. And it opened, it's opened up. It's opening up this whole offense that I keep kind of like just going over and over and just gawking over. But I I don't know. I, I think this team can do – I think if they beat Oklahoma, I think they can do something special. I, I don't know. I just the – def, the defense and this offense right now is kind of opening my eyes to the possibilities because the dynamic, dynamic versatility – is what wins you games and they have it on both sides of the ball and i i just 
If they can would you agree with you? Would you they can respond to, to adversity? Would you agree with me on this, Royer? If they play Oklahoma to like a like a dogfight decided in the final two minutes, I still think you're right. Yeah, I think they could lose Oklahoma by by 10, 14 points. But if they play good, Oklahoma yeah. just shows up and, and balls out. I don't think that changes this team's projection. I think they could they could still go out there and uh, win all of, if not lose, just one or two games and be sitting at 93. Hell, that might get you in to the Big 12 championship. You never know. That's – We'll see. I still think it's like it's I, I think three would three would three would probably assuming they beat Miami, yeah. that would mean three big twelve losses. Like I, I think that would yeah. be a stretch, but like yeah, it puts you in the upper half. You're right. It puts you in the upper half of the league. When they were yeah, picked 13. Knocking on the door. Oh, look, I've 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 I haven't really sat down and been able to consume a ton of this league, but I can tell you this they're not 13th. No, no. Kool-Aid tastes damn good, baby. <laughs> but no, I, I don't even. Right. Is that you're, so you're, you're drinking great Kool-Aid and not wine tonight? Right? Uh, yes, yes, Kool-Aid flavored. Uh, yes, but <laughs> just real fast, I'm taking the over. But as you can see in Colorado, I know you guys don't want me to talk about Colorado, but playmakers win games. And since then, he's got a bunch of playmakers on offense, and then they've got a stout, stout defense, especially defensive line. So. Yeah, I am with you, Ryan. I feel like you could have made that point without mentioning Colorado. Well done. All right, well, come on. <laughs> Playmakers. All right, question for Ryan. With the new coaching staff and players, it seems like halftime adjustments would be more challenging. Is that true? If so, what is the time length till the coaches feel more uh, comfortable with adjustments? All the coaches or all the questions tonight have been for Ryan, so I just wanted to give Ryan his, you know, his spotlight. No idea what was I going. was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone um, keeps asking Ryan questions, uh, so uh, like it's I'm the Ryan Royer it. show here on BearcatJournal.com. You looked good what on the big said, screen, I'll be honest. Like <laughs> Do you need me to repeat the repeat um, the question? I it's just basically how, like, the coach's ability to adjust and coach the players up during the game. Uh, you know, obviously more experience comes with more comfortability, and that's always better. But it seems like that they're, they've been – it seems like the players and the coaches are on the same page. Like, there's – we saw one bad mistake in in uh, yesterday's game. But other – there's no MAs. There's no, like – runs where Pitt was going on this run where they like were just exposing like our game plan it felt like we were always a step ahead and when you're always a step ahead that means that you're adjusting too so I think the players and the coaches are on a good page right now and it's only going to get better as the year goes on uh, it's promising just to kind of see where they're at though right now all right is it realistic no for you see either Is it realistic for a UC fan to expect a five-star recruit for the football program in the next five years? Brent? 
Uh, I mean, shoot. Uh, if if since Reigns blows up, sure. I I mean, the thing is that all these five star players, there's like a, a pocket full of ten, you know, teams that get pretty much all of them. Um, although Texas Tech just got a five star commit or a crystal ball, I I I'd say it. If they start winning a bunch and in five years, though, that's that's not a lot of time. I, you know, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, sure, but I don't think it's it's super realistic. Um, I don't know. There's not a lot of five stars out there. There's a bunch of good good four stars every yeah. year, right? What do you think, Aaron? I don't think it's realistic and personally i don't care because i don't put too much stock in the ranking system anyway i think that um i I say that over half of it is made up on the on this on the fly anyway and i would rather no i don't agree with that that's fine i i'm just saying um i i think that i would much rather go with a competent uh staff that can recruit at a high level despite the stars and uh i feel like that Right now, as things exist, this team has a really good recruiting system in place. If your talent evaluation system identifies a kid and you bring him in and he happens to be a five-star, great. Like, I think that's where you're going, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Like, the thing I've always gotten caught up in is, like, it's football and there's – 500 really good players at the top of the board, right? Like, if you get player, uh, like, Jawan Briggs was the 75th best recruit in the country. Four-star. Four-star. High four-star. Yep. Not five-star. But not a five-star. Like, who cares? Like, you just went out and got one of the elite high school prospects in the country. Yeah, it was via transfer, like, whatever. But, like, that's... They've gotten multiple five-stars via transfer. Some of them have worked out. Some of them that, have not. Was Emory, was Emory a five-star? No, high four. High four? Okay. Again, there's only, like, the way 24-7 does it, there's only 32 five-stars every year. So think about the tens of thousands of high school football players, and there's 32 that are five-stars. And especially now in the NIL era, those 32 are getting paid. Like, if you're Cincinnati, yeah. are you really going to blow your recruiting budget on, like, your NIL budget on one kid? A guy that's, you know, 24th? Or take, you know, two guys in the top 150? Because they're probably going to cost about the same. Like, I, I don't know the, the equation. Daniel um, said, how many, how many Cincy Light shotguns would it take for a five-star? I'll start now. <laughs> roughly. Me too, me too Daniel. Ooh. Roughly 500,000. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, like like Emery was like, I think, 89th in the composite. Right. right. <laughs> Not a five-star. It's like 85th in the composite. Not a five-star. Not a five-star by 50. There were 50 other kids right. before you got to the five-stars. Don't worry about five stars. Yeah. Worry about, like, are they recruiting really well in that, like, 88 to 92 range? 
Because guess what? Those kids in that 88 to 92 range are really fucking good football players. They have the height, the measurables, the speed. Like, they have multiple of the things that you need to have a successful program. In the in the NIL age, don't worry about the top 30. Don't worry about the top 50. Live in 50 to 200, 50 to 300, and make most of your work in that realm, and you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's not like basketball. Basketball, if a kid's a top 10 kid, there's a pretty damn good chance he's going to be playing in the NBA in a year or two. That's not how football works. It works different. All right. And the last question of the football portion of the mailbag. Do you think Mateo can become more of a factor this year? I feel like Singletary has flashed more thus far, but Mateo still has ridiculous measurables. I'd like to see him more involved in the offense. We kind of already answered this one. Singletary has become the guy they trust. Guess what you have to do as a football player? Become the guy they trust. Ryan will tell make, you. Make plays. No, just become the guy they trust. Your your reps on special teams increased when, Ryan? When you became a guy they trust. Yep. You got to make the plays. Uh, know the plays. Don't make mistakes. Um, I don't think Shaman's really – I don't think he's like done a bad job or anything to deserve right. to not play, but Peyton's doing what they want. I think Peyton might be a little bit more quick and dynamic. Um, not that Shaman isn't, but obviously Peyton's been showing stuff in practice that fits what they're looking for in that offense and that tight end role in different packages. Um, but you'll see Shaman. Don't worry. Like we said, Shaman's really good, but let's not create another like, I expect to see more of Shaman, so I'm going to be pissed if there's not more of Shaman. If they're getting the production, they got six receptions from the tight ends. Two of those receptions are, were significant, and Peyton got a touchdown. Like I would have loved to see multiple six game catches from the six catch games from the tight ends last season. <laughs> yeah. So. Like I, I, I get it. I get that we all like Shaman is dynamic. He's big. He's physical. We all want him to get there. But if right now the progression arc is Peyton is the guy that they're trusting in the red zone, then just be happy for Peyton being the guy that they're trusting in the red zone, and it's resulting in touchdowns. When you can get mad is if they keep going to somebody, and that guy keeps dropping the ball or like you know being not running his route crisp or not like doing you know exactly what you expect for the guy you draw up a play for him you call his number if he doesn't execute the play then worry about why isn't the other guy getting the opportunities man that's we're calling like up hard. peyton singletary's number and he's making touchdowns that sounded <laughs> like sounded like nick martin my goodness all right moving on <laughs> um that is the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag. I know the NCAA rules prohibit media workouts, but has there been any rumors on how the basketball team is looking? Right now, it's it, it's very early in the process in terms of like they're, they're not doing team workouts. It's a lot of um, 
individual workouts, just skill development. Uh, we get to the start of practice, I think, in two weeks. So nothing yet. We're close. Skill development is going well, but I, I'm i not going to sit here and, and talk to you guys about guys dribbling around chairs. Like, all right. Well, I think I think player number thirty did the uh, the Steph Curry two ball drown, bouncing drill really well yesterday. Like that's we're not there yet. We're we're getting there. We're almost there, but we're not quite there yet. There there is this period of three four weeks where they do heavy skill development and then they get back into the team stuff. Once the team stuff is uh, is moving along, we'll have a little bit more information about how the team is looking. Dribbling around Almost. chairs is, is not impressive unless Dante Corleone is sitting in said chair. Just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's a lot of space to cover. Uh, there, there's a there's a lot involved. <laughs> that is a that is an, a multi layered joke. <laughs> well done, Aaron. Well done. All right. Uh, thoughts on a potential NIT substitute for teams of Big 12, Big 10, and Big East? Before you answer this question, Chad, I would like to do the nightcap on this exact topic. That's what I've been thinking all day long. I think okay. this is big big enough to do a, a nightcap on tonight. So, I like it. Um, and I, I think it's too long, too long to answer here. I think this deserves a, a full answer yeah. in that I'll regard. just say I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea. Check out the nightcap. We will address it there. But good question, Bath. We're on the same page. Uh, that ends the basketball portion of the mailbag. And moving on to the last portion, the Banks portion of the mailbag, before we can get out of here. My God, this has been a long one again. Uh, rapid Fire, you're stuck on an elevator for a day, and it's playing one song on loop that you can't stand. What song would that be? Anything by Cher. Anything by Taylor Swift, anything country. This is just uh, the anything song country. you hate the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Um, I think I would lose to my my mind to probably like one of those like lullaby songs, you know, those nursery rhymes. That would probably make me go. <laughs> oh, no. you, you'll you'll find yourself in a weird place one day, Ryan, where you're like, God, that means the kid is sleeping, and it literally oh. is music to your ears. <laughs> Like, like you're just thrown up in the corner of the elevator. Us four, like. us four, we're on an elevator, and it's wheels on the bus. Rockabye, baby. I'm conked out in the, in the corner. <laughs> I took a nap. Yeah, I tried to tell Aaron when he had the baby, like, look, the key to life, the key to happiness when you have some a, a child under three is to sleep the second that they fall asleep. I do that with my puppy from time to time. Like, you know, they'll be, we'll work late. I'll have to get up early and I'll have a little bit of a window. And as soon as I see that puppy stretch her paws out on the couch, I'm like, <laughs> all right. Uh, um... yeah, country. Friends in low places, I might shoot myself in the face. Oh, like, what? what I'm going the opposite way. I like, I think some like screamer, like loud music would kind of, just drive me insane. Pantera. Yeah. Probably like some, some like death metal. 
probably would be that like just shut the fuck up man we're stuck in an elevator shut up <laughs> uh um, mess with that spell though no i don't either I, I <laughs> of course say. you do ryan said he did he kind of messes oh, up yeah, um who no, thank you. who wins in a fight the mountain from game of thrones or 100 freshmen um 100 100 freshmen. i feel like which feel like a hundred freshmen, especially as you go further back in generations to like the sixties and seventies, there's no chill in, in the generations from back then. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and much. what is your favorite pierogi? Hmm. I've actually yeah, never had a pierogi. Others. Oh, really? Um, that no, part I've had is from the Ripple Wine Bar in Covington. Yeah, which I okay. talked about last week. You did. They're amazing cuisine. I like probably like a like a, a beef and cheese. Probably. Do you? How do you like it prepared? Do you like it baked? Do you like it uh, fried? Do you like it? I like uh, it boiled and then in butter. Fr- like boiled and then fried. Like so, okay. you boil it right to the point, and then you fry it. You yeah. get the the outside of the potato, like a French fry, a little crisp on the outside. Okay. Yeah, my my mom used to always just make it just boiled butter, melted butter, and it's just oh, it's so yeah, good. so good. Yeah, I All think right. just traditional cheese, chives maybe, meat, sure, that's a little bit yeah. Little little cheese, little little like ground beef. Shouts to somewhere at Pitt. One of the guys I, I was with got a pierogies this weekend. Speak of the devil, skins 99. And it was good, baked, but uh, it came with some onions, you know. You love onions, Chad. So put the onion on there. Yeah, my favorite. Dip in sour cream if you want. Follow-up question. BCJ Karaoke, who is the best singer and who has the most fun doing it? I'm going to just put the crown on my head and say I am the best BCJ Karaoke singer. Oh, wow. I don't know. I'm promising you. What do you say? Yeah, what, what, what's your go-to? Oh, are you good out of here. Anything. Yeah. Um, what do you my, say? What's your go-to? My, my, my go-to song is Third Eye Blind, How's It Gonna Be? Did, did, oh, did you I make a crowd song. Did you make a, a crowd of a thousand people like crumble when you were up on stage? Um, I've, I've sung at large parties before. At karaoke, I, yeah. I, I sang at In my, Nashville, were, did the bands ask if you did this as a profession? My, when you were done? My, my proposal um when i got married r.i.p to that marriage um you don't get to use this as a plus this didn't fucking work it it worked i got got the got the job done i just didn't make a good husband shaggy Um, angel i bring down the house i'll put that up against anybody 100 (laughs) percent I feel like Stamp. I've gotten into more, like, serious karaoke fuckers here. Stamp uh, it. But we used to do karaoke I, night at Clifton Heights Tavern. We'd go every Thursday, and and it was a blast. And I was not very good, but you know, the liquid confidence makes you think <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> so I do have an uncanny uh, ability to sound a lot like Eddie Vedder. And uh, at a work thing as i was early in my career with radio shack like getting into management i did better man and uh i ended up 
in a very happy situation at the hotel that night. So uh, I think I did pretty good. <laughs> what the <laughs> hey, Chad, well, I hear you. One of my one of my other go tos uh, is is Lincoln Park in the end. I don't I don't like to, I like to have somebody else do the rap part, but I'll do the the sing part. So. Daniel's been singing, Aaron, right now. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I, have you got paid to perform at weddings? Oh, Brent's saying he's gotten paid to sing karaoke. At I don't believe that. Oh, you are. Wow. All right. I know you've been to a lot of weddings. I don't know that anyone's <laughs> ever actually paid you to sing at them. Hey, hey. <laughs> you don't know. You've gotten paid just specifically to sing Angel by Shaggy at weddings. They they paid they paid you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> no. You guys have no clue. All right. All right. Uh moving what a on. Great question. Um, what a great question. Who had a worst performance week? One, Kadarius Tony or Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow. Tony. No, Joe I think. Burrow. I think. Well, Joe Burrow didn't have to deactivate his Twitter account because uh, of the haters coming at him. But I agree. I, Joe I, I think Burrow had to deal with the elements. Uh, the Browns' defense played well. He was dog shit. I don't think dog the shit. play calling put their their. Playmakers in the best position to make guys call the plays at the line. You pay a guy, you pay a guy fifty-five million dollars a year. He's the fucking play caller, right? After after seeing Jamar Chase's route tree, it was terrible. I saw that. I agree. But hey, I ain't mad though. The Brownies got it done on your boys. Let's go. The Browns are set up defensively to destroy the Ryan's. Ryan's Elite needed. edge rushers <laughs> and guys that can play man-to-man corner. Like, the Browns are set up. But that was fucking awful. Like, I, I'm going to – I'm gonna. it's going to take me a lot of restraint to let you and George. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. You got receipts, huh? Hey, motherfuckers throwing their hands in the air and waving them like they just don't care. I don't. I don't know what how that means he got. There, I, don't, I don't. I don't think that equates to you getting paid. That Aaron, that was one of the a, seven times I've done it at weddings. So that just means you, he was you did part not, of a wedding band. He didn't get paid seven times. Get crown. Out. I will out sing you. It also took him seven, seven minutes to find that picture. Crown. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> When when you I'm, go to four hundred and forty two weddings, you're bound to sing. And the answer to this question is Kadarius Tony. Burrow was so bad, man. He was so bad. I mean, if you get we'll, two hundred fifty we'll mail, aren't you going to be a little bad your your next no. performance? No. All right. Well, well, George George and I will break it all down tomorrow night on George and the Jungle. Yeah. But I also heard it was all rainier right. as the UC Miami victory bell game of of twenty nineteen. So. All right, and the last question. Uh, thoughts on the New Heights episode with Kylie Kelsey? I thought it was great, and she should be regular. Also, Aaron and Chad, how long would you let Travis watch your kids? There's not a shot in hell I'd let Travis watch them. I know how I watch my kid, and I'm not letting Travis watch my kid. Travis would be fine. Like, would I let him watch my infant? No. My, mine is one, correct. Would I let him watch my, like, like five, six, seven-year-old? Yeah, because I think they'd be on a similar level. <laughs> like they have relatable conversations. Agreed. Um, 
would I let him watch my teenage daughter? Absolutely not. And that's not anything on Travis. That's that I have a teenage daughter and absolutely not. Who's also in love with him. Right. No. <laughs> but and, and badly for everyone. Right. Like you go into that five, seven, eight year old range. I would like Travis would be a blast if you were like six years old to be around. Um, the episode with Kylie was great. Like I, I I've I've only spoken or like like been in a conversation with her once. Um it was Aaron, you might remember this. We were supposed to have Zach Caleros on the show. And Zach hit me up like forget three to tell hours. His wife. He hit me up three hours before the show and informed me, hey, um, we are at my wife's sister's house. And I was just going to go into one of the like spare rooms and do the show. But my wife informed me that that is rude uh, because we are visiting my in-laws and that I will not be able to do the show tonight, which I understood. Like, I get why his wife would be kind of upset with that. So I was in the car and we were driving and I called Jason just as like a Hail Mary. Hey, can you do the show tonight? Because Caleros, your quarterback, backed out on us. And Jason was in his car on his way to his anniversary dinner with his wife. So I was like, hey, man, like in a bad spot, Caleros kind of fucked me. Uh, can you do the show tonight? And Kylie laughed. And Jason was like, look, man, I'd love to do the show. And I'm going to anniversary dinner with my wife. And uh, I'm not getting in trouble for that. So that's the only time I've really interacted with Kylie Kelsey was uh, me, Kelly, and Kelsey in our car, and Jason and Kylie in their car, and Kylie probably staring at him with, like, daggers. Like, no, you are not doing this fucking podcast tonight to cover Zach Polaris' ass. I think it's a good story. Is that not a good story? The best. It's actually the first time that Kelsey, my daughter believed that I knew Jason because I called him and he answered and she was like in the back seat like <laughs> and I was like yeah I just have to call him and he'll answer he's a good dude like we know each other that's the mailbag get us out of here Brent two <laughs> hours and 45 minutes later hey the mailbag itself was an hour <laughs> um hey Huge win in Scott Satterfield there. Big game this weekend. Make sure you're there. Nip at night. Um, quick shout out, of course, as always, to Dan Cook Transmission and Auto Care. Quick shout out to Quick Paper Supply. Also, I'm going to give a little shout out to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the mailbag as well. Um, and then on top of all of that, a huge shout out to my guys, my pals, my partners. Um, I had Cincy White this weekend for the first time. It was fantastic. Had about, you know, a lot of them. But, uh, hey, that's it. And that's all, folks. So, hey, for my guys, pals, partners, Chad Brendel, Aaron Smith, Ryan Royer, I am Brent Young, another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com.